Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Action Radio. This is Greg Penglis coming to you from the historic district of downtown Milton on the banks of the beautiful Blackwater River. And now let's get into Action Radio. Okay, it's the day after my birthday. Fun's over. <laughs> it's time to get back to work. Um, this is actually, no, I had a great time yesterday. We had uh, uh, the legendary Bill Fetke uh, call in and actually sing When I'm 64. That alone was worth listening to yesterday's show. It happened right at the beginning. So that's kind of cool. Then Wendy called in uh, with her husband, Mike, uh, and they sang a really nice happy birthday with harmony and everything. Uh, it was fun. We just had a good time. But we, we did some serious stuff, too. Um, I had a friend of mine, Michelle, born on the same day I'm born on. And so she called in. We're sort of comparing, you know, life as, as an October uh, 19th baby. And it was funny. Now, today's birthday, uh, I happen to know is Robert Malone, uh, Dr. Malone's birthday, because he was on the show. And I looked him up. And, uh, and so I found out that uh, Malone was born literally one day after me. So this is, this is his birthday. So I'm one day older than Dr. Robert Malone, the famous inventor of the messenger RNA uh, gene jab. <laughs> I can't call it a vaccine because we have other terms of that. All right. Enough of politics. Let's, uh, I want to talk critters. This is going to be fun. And so, uh, of course, with me, I have to find out where I put my reports when I do the new ones until I find where they are. I think it was a little quiet last time, so I'm going to turn it up just a little tiny bit and see if this works. And here's uh, Tara's theme. Can't you just see yourself all curled up on the couch with a really cute kitty cat just hanging around your neck? Or some adorable lap dog just looking up at you with those big eyes? Maybe you need a dog for hunting for herding, for protecting the family, or just to take walking. Maybe the house just needs a family cat, or, when available, a pet bird. Where can you find these wonderful animals? At your local animal shelter. And now it's the Santa Rosa County, Florida Animal Shelter Report with Tara D. Oh, I just want to curl up with a kitty cat after I listen to that. <laughs> that actually works. A pretty good theme. I like it. Good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I like it. It's it's very uh, jazzy. I like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's the that's the the, the toughest part about uh, doing these themes is picking the right music. And, and you think, no, it's right mm-hmm. in the script. Now the script is easy. I can do the script in like five minutes. <laughs> that, that's uh-huh. less. That's not a problem. Once I get a, a feel for for how the report goes, uh, but the music can take me like you know three weeks. <laughs> no, that's not right. Uh-huh. No, that's pick, not right. Pick yeah, the right know. tunes. Oh, yeah, and I've got such a large selection of them. Uh, the, there's a thing called Storybooks, which allows you to uh, download music. And they're really nice about it because, you know, normally it's a subscription, but uh, they'll let you download mm-hmm. as much as you want. They don't care. Um, so I just went crazy, mm-hmm. you know, and then, and then kind of postpone it for a while. So I'll get back because there's some new ones that I want to get for, for different parts of the show. But, yeah, that's exactly what happened. And so all these things that you hear, these weird things you hear on my show, uh, let me see if I can play a couple here, um, are all from – uh, from this one site, and they're really good. So here's what, here's what I do. When conversation gets a little heated sometimes or I have to make an announcement, I want to kind of introduce mm-hmm. myself gently. I'll play this. Isn't it nice and sweet? <laughs> yeah, yeah, just a little, sweet. let's pay attention now, yeah. Exactly. When things don't go so well, I play this. So, you know, and it all comes from this, this one website, which is really good. And I don't mind sharing it because they're really good and they're, 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 they're decent about how they do things. So anyway. Oh, yeah, that's, that's great. Yeah, so, it's, it's difficult mm-hmm. to find 
things that you can use without having to pay for them these days. You know, even all the apps that have great little, great (laughs) things, and they're they can be really pricey. So it's it's nice to have you know be able to Mm -hmm. get things that are usable. Yeah, but they don't care if you if you like download a ton of things and then uh, you know turn it off for a while, then go back six months later and get a bunch more. (laughs) So there's a lot of times you can't do that. Yeah, some places aren't that good. Anyway, so what's going on with the critters? We're we're entering fall. The days are getting a little shorter. Yeah. Um, so yeah. so tell me about fall and pets. Yeah, so fall is our favorite time at the shelter. Pretty much, uh, the weather is decent. It's usually very nice outside. Not having a lot of rain. We're not having these you know horrible. I mean, it's still warm during the day, but I mean, compared to our summer, it's it's super manageable. The dogs are more active and they're energetic. You can tell because they're like, oh, this is nice weather, and they enjoy getting out more. Um, our volunteers are kind of coming back more frequently because it's you know the weather is is enjoyable as opposed to you know 115 out there and you're about to fall out. So oh, yeah, uh, fall is definitely a, a yeah, good time at the shelter. shelter for <laughs> yeah, definitely yeah. Warm out of the it's, shelter. Um, yeah. Yeah, it it gets hot, and even even right now, it's still you know in, in the high seventies, low eighties. So that's mm-hmm. a little warm, but I mean, in comparison, it's 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 much more enjoyable uh, when we have the dogs out. They're just more relaxed. It's it's a great time, and we're having a lot of events. Um, weather's nicer, so we're not like you know passing out from heat stroke or anything. So it's it's definitely one of the better times of the year for the shelter as a whole. Things so things are slowing down a little bit. We're able to kind of catch up on some projects that we're, you know, involved in. We're doing adoption events every weekend. So overall, it's for me personally, it's my favorite time of the year. So, hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big fall and spring person, you know, because winter and summer are pretty much the same. Winter's cold and summer's hot. <laughs> you know, you know exactly. fall and spring, you get changes. <laughs> you know, it goes one way or the other. Exactly. You, know, but, you, you know, get a little really... excited for what's mm-hmm. to come. And, you know, it's like, ooh, you know, and you, you forget how bad the season's going to be that's on its way and you're just, you know, happy for yeah, but the I remember nice really fast. <laughs> that first cold <laughs> yeah. day in the fall is like, uh-oh, winter's coming. Yeah, I remember that. You know, and you go from uh, from air conditioning and, you know, shorts and T-shirts, all of a sudden you have to drag out the, you know, the sweatpants and the sweaters and all the other things. Like, oh, no. And you think, Florida, what am I doing mm-hmm. this for in Florida? Um, yeah, but uh, it's uh, all that's interesting. Now, because the weather's better and everybody's in a better mood, this has got to be a better time mm-hmm. to get a dog, especially for, or a cat, especially for, for a new pet owner, because everybody's going to be Absolutely. in a better mood. Yeah, tell me about yeah, and, you get new folks. Yeah, and also, I mean, if you are thinking about, you know, your heating expenses, it's going to get cooler. And, mm-hmm. you know, if you don't want to run your heat as much, you could get a dog or a cat. But dogs, let them sleep in the bed with you, and then you can cut down on your heating bill. So it's kind of, you know, something else to think about. But wait a minute, like a doggy blanket? <laughs> you get some big curly yeah. uh, critter right there, <laughs> you know, licks your face in the morning. Absolutely. <laughs> You're like, good morning. <laughs> yeah, good snugglers, and you're like, you wake up to this big slobbering dog in your face, but, you know, at least, yeah. you know, somebody's right there, you know, making sure you're cozy, warm, and, you know, I don't know. I I, I know a lot of people are like, oh, you know, I don't sleep with my dogs. It's a, you know, some people do, some people don't, but mm-hmm. there, there are worse things, you know. Some dogs are bed hogs, so you might have to let them sleep on their own beds, but... You know. Well, wait a minute. Now, this this opens up a whole fascinating uh, thing because I can just see, you know, especially if you have a relationship in trouble, you know, it's like it's your dog, you know, and especially if you want more oh, yeah. amorous partner than another. I mean, I hate to get into No, I don't hate to get into it. What am I talking about? This is funny. <laughs> I mean, like I yeah, say, you might have you know, to kick the dog out of the bed. Yeah, I know exactly. for my you... dog, like, she is huge and she will sleep on my feet. So, and I'm short, but. You know, sometimes I'm like I have to I have to make her move because like hey I don't have any covers and so I'm sure for I'm sure for folks <laughs> who are sharing 
sharing a bed with her pets, sometimes, you know, you might have to make adjustments. Hey, you guys, you got to go today or whatever. You go oh, we your, need to call on your bed, this. Go downstairs. <laughs> we, we need to focus on this. This is hysterical. Now, and I can say it because we don't tell personal stories here on the show, but we do right. speak in very general terms. You know, I have a friend, and, and most times mm-hmm. I, that's, I actually do have a friend. You know, otherwise I wouldn't know because I'm a pretty boring guy actually most of the time, except uh, you know, on the show here things get, well, except in like airplanes and playing rock and roll. But anyway, um, then I'm pretty, pretty normal you know, person overall, but I, I think of things like this because it's funny. I wouldn't have a huge pet. I mean, it wouldn't be my choice to have like a St. Bernard, you know, lying next to me in a bed, you know, uh, and I'd seen those yeah. big eyes and going, like, oh my God, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. sweetie, you've changed. Yeah, <laughs> oh, it's the dog. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, yeah, that's I mean, a lot of dog. It's a, that's a lot of dog, and and really, if you have a big dog like that, like they're literally the size of a person. So it's like, it's like yeah. having an extra person in the bed, you know, space wise. So yeah. things to consider. But they're all size of dogs, so you don't, and you don't have to let them sleep in the bed. I mean, that's not a requirement. You know, you can give them their own oh, bed, sure which is not. fine. But I know a lot of people <laughs> do let their pets sleep in the bed with them, and I, I would, I would stand. It would stand a reason that there are probably some back issues or maybe even neck issues due to the pet sleeping in the bed because a lot of times I think we compensate for them because we don't want to upset them when they're sleeping or wake them up and we will contort ourselves into a smaller space just to not upset your dog or wake your dog or cat up. So it's kind of hilarious when people do let them sleep with in their bed. You know, sometimes it's like it's your bed, but you're kind of, you know, you're kind of making them the priority, and then you're sleeping like sideways in a little spot. Yes, yeah, so that's sure screwed that up to me. Yeah, it's like people that let their dogs sit on the couch and they'll go sit on the floor instead. So wait a minute, you're the yeah. owner of the house, you're the person, <laughs> and nothing. I love animals. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm not uh, nothing against animals, but I'm just saying that the, the, there's a there's a natural order to this. Okay, we humans mm-hmm. pay the bills, do the work, build, you know, buy the house, you know, rent the apartment, mm-hmm. uh, you know, walk the dogs, feed the dogs, you know, watch, the, you know, clean up the poop, you know, and, and think that, and then think the dog is the master. I don't think so. I mean, I got cartoons on this on our on our comedy page. Do you now that we've opened mm-hmm. up this can of worms? Do you find that people sometimes <laughs> do too, yeah, exactly do too much for their animals, where, they, where the animals kind of take over and maybe they get resentful after a while? It's like, oh, I can't do anything. My dog is on the couch. My dog's here. My dog's here. You know, or my cat, you know, won't let me, you know, read a book or a magazine or, or sits on my computer keyboard, you know, say, like, wait a minute, you're the person, okay? The, these are these are pets. I mm-hmm. love them dearly, but they're pets, okay? And I'm just, I'm just curious. You must have some stories. Come on, tell me. Oh, yeah. I, I do believe for sure that there are many people who, um, and then it's also a matter of, of basically establishing, establishing yourself as the boss in the house, like, and mm-hmm. then if your dog or cat, I don't really... I don't know, to me, cats are kind of, they do their own thing, so but so I speak more about dogs. But, like, you know, if you're going to allow your dog to get away with everything and then you get mad when, oh, he doesn't mind me because you allowed him to take control. And, and, and especially with behavior dogs, a lot of times that's because the owner is not doing what they need to do as the, basically the pack leader of the house. Like, hey, I'm in charge right. here. You're going to do what I ask you to do. I don't need you to do this so you can relax. Um, and it can be funny things, and it's cute, uh, very, it's it's adorable a lot of the times, but sometimes it can roll over in, <clears throat> excuse me, into behavior issues. So, you know, really something to think about. If you have if you have boundaries for your dog, you know, make sure that you put those in place. And it, if you're okay with them getting on the couch, no problem, let them do it. But if it bothers you, then you need, you, and you can't let them on the couch today, and then tomorrow, I don't want you on there. Because the dog's not going to understand that. So make I was going to say consistency. Consistency is incredibly important, isn't it? 
Absolutely. Just like it is with children, it's pretty much the same with pets. You know, Mm -hmm. if you're going to let them chew on your shoes today because that's an old pair, well, they're not going to really know, oh, these are my new, you know, these are my my new Nikes that I just bought. They're going to be like, oh, shoes are shoes. You know, these are toys. So just things like that, being consistent with your pet is is really going to make a huge difference on their training and then your happiness with how everything is going. I know that we'll get people, um, excuse me, but I know we'll get people that it's early. You're know the, first the dog's doing this or that. <laughs> yeah. have, have, have coffee ahead of time, yeah. Have big, big water nearby. I, I some water, do. but it's apparently, uh, yeah, just getting, getting through there. I'll just but, talk yeah, over the so phone, I'll, keep talking. Of, We're good. Okay, well, we'll talk it out, yeah. But um, a lot of times, you know, you just have to be consistent with your pet because otherwise they are going to, they're like kids, they are going to try to see what they can get away with. That's pretty normal. So if they're doing something wrong, it's probably because you let them. So you just need to make sure to work on consistency and set boundaries just like you do with your children. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. And like I say, consistency is, is the key to it. Um, yeah, and I, I've seen people, they just go way and above and beyond. And then they'll complain to me, oh, I can't do anything about the dog. I said, wait a minute, you know, did you give over your human credentials somewhere? What, what do you mean you can't do anything about the dog? You know, and uh, I just I just see that. But I think we, let's get into the relationship thing because I think this is fascinating because people divide up everything when they split up, whether it's uh, you know mm-hmm. people living together or marriage. You know, there there are even custody battles over the pets now. I mean, things people get really oh, crazy yeah. about this stuff. So have have you yeah, seen animals come in as a result of divorces or breakups? Absolutely, absolutely, huh. very. And we don't usually take owner surrenders now, but um, in the past when we did. We would see that a lot. Somebody's like, I'm going through a divorce, can't keep my animal. And I'm like, mm, I, to me, that didn't make sense because basically I think nobody wanted the responsibility of the pet. So now they're both bailing on the marriage and they're like, oh, you take the dog. No, you take the dog. So we kind of see the opposite. Instead of them fighting for the dog, we see people trying to dump the dog. Oh, that's and sometimes interesting. It's, it's, yeah. Okay. So sometimes yeah. it's a matter of maybe they can't afford it anymore because, you know, their income is, is dropped and they're trying to move to a new place. And so that's, you know, we see that, but sometimes it's just like, my husband left, it's his dog, I hate the dog, I don't want him, and we've seen that a lot in the past. <laughs> so, yeah, but it's you don't take dogs, in, you know. You don't take abandoned dogs like that, you take dogs that are actually, you know, homeless, right? I mean, how does that work exactly? exactly. Um, so you refuse so them, or what do you do? pretty much everything. Um, we used right. to take everything, but that was when, when we would have to euthanize for space, so that's why we were limiting not taking owner surrenders anymore. If you if you own a pet, then it's basically your responsibility if you don't want that pet anymore to try to find a suitable home for them because we are, right. the shelter is, the idea is that we are there for the temporary housing of stray animals, stray meaning a dog that's maybe got lost, you know, found its way somewhere else from home, and then ideally we would have them left there on the for freeway. a few days. <laughs> yeah, what, yeah. 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 Just, what, we'll talk exactly. about that. And, you know, terrible things do happen, but, the idea is that most, you know, in a perfect world, it would be the dog got out and now the owners need a place to find that dog or somebody found the dog. They bring it to us. We're keeping it safe until the owner comes. I mean, that's what it was designed for. However, it's mm-hmm. become a whole different ball game where people don't keep their animals, people dump animals. And so we're basically taking in the masses of, of pets that people don't want to be responsible for anymore. We do still have dogs that and cats that come in and that are strays, and that the owners come for them, so that does happen. But yeah. mostly they come in and nobody comes for them, so it's it's very disheartening. Yeah, I mean, people are you know it's it's, it's almost like a disposable throwaway society. I mean, once you take responsibility, yes, um, but that doesn't mean you have to keep the dog or cat for for life. There are rescue services, there are breed specific, there's all kinds of things people can do, but they don't even want to go to that effort. 
you know. And I, no, I they don't. So, you yeah. know, ideally, if you get a pet, you should be committed to that pet for life. But mm-hmm. if circumstances arise where, you know, like if you are having to move for financial reasons and you cannot, you know, like, hey, nobody would rent to me with this dog or maybe – Maybe you have a situation where you have to move in with a family member and they, so things, you know, things in life do happen where sometimes it's just impossible to keep your pet. Mm-hmm. Most of the reasons we get are, are trash, no offense to people, but most of the reasons we oh, get yeah, for people I mean, getting rid of their pets are ridiculous. But sometimes life does throw curveballs at you where sometimes mm-hmm. it, it's out of your hands. Um, and so there are rescue groups, there are uh, rehoming sites, and yeah, you'll have to put in the work to find a good home for your pet, but mm-hmm. it is your pet, so you should be the one responsible for doing that. Yeah, no now, one forces you, you to take on we, the responsibility. <laughs> no one forces you to have a pet. It's, it's not, it's, you know, you're not issued. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That and that's um, when we transitioned over to No Kill, so one of our um, big bosses in the county was like, it's kind of like if you buy a car, if you decide you don't want that car anymore, the bank's just not going to be like, all right, cool, we'll take it back for you. No, it's up to you to figure that out because you took on that responsibility. So yep. these animals are, you know, being adopted and are being purchased by people, and they may think, oh, it's cool, and then they decide when they get home it's a lot more work than what they anticipated, and then they no longer want it. Well, we're not going to be able – we're just not going to be the dumping ground for that. Like, it's your pet you be responsible for rehoming it so we can focus on these animals that don't have anybody at all and so we can try to help them so it has really freed us up as a shelter to save more animals and work on getting those animals that are just being you know dumped in the woods and things like that so we can focus our finances on those animals that don't literally don't have a family whereas these guys you may not want them anymore so it's your job to try to find them a better spot and and sometimes, like, this is, we have a dog that recently went to a foster to adopt home. She's a fantastic dog, and this is something we've, I don't know that I've ever heard this at the shelter, but usually uh, somebody will want to bring a dog back because it's too hyper. Well, this particular family is a very, very active family. They got a dog that was a little older. They said she's the perfect dog, but she is not active enough for them, and she can't keep up with her lifestyle. They go hiking. Right. They go running. And so... She's in a foster to adopt, so that's um, they hadn't completed everything. So we'll be able to take her back, and they're going to hold on to her until we have an event. So it's it works out for the dog, but it's like it's unusual because normally it's like, oh, the dog's too hyper. In this situation, we have a dog that's perfectly behaved and calm, and I'm like, oh, this is this is a switch. You know, Wrong we dog. don't see that very often. Get him an Aussie Shepherd puppy; <laughs> they'll be fine. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. That seems like that might be what would be good for Cattle them dog. because for their lifestyle, they're border collie. Active and yeah. Exactly, border collie. exactly. Yeah. You're a herding breed, and you should be have plenty of energy there. So, but so now we have this dog that's basically a perfect dog, and I'm like, well, this is a switch. This will be one hopefully that we can place pretty easily back right. into a home since she's been in a foster home. We know now that she's like super calm and chill, so that could be really helpful to place her in a new home. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's. Uh, I got two folks online on our on live chat. Live chat's working today. It wasn't working yesterday on my birthday. It's hysterical. Today it's working. Um, oh, it's worked every, it's worked every other day too. Oh, I had a great birthday. It was, oh yeah, we had Bill Fecky uh, singing you know, when I'm 64 because I just turned 64 yesterday. So life looks uh, pretty good at 64. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm enjoying it. Awesome. You know, so uh, all my friends are getting old and retiring, and I'm starting a new career. So you know, things are great. So Pianki and uh, Marco. Uh, Marcos in the Netherlands, you know, if you guys have a question, type in, we're, you know, feel free. We're a busy morning on Fridays. Uh, and so a lot of times it's hard, unless you have a short question to get it in. Uh, let's talk about who's available and what you have for events. And then uh, we'll get your contact information before Derek gets here at the bottom of the hour. So who's oh, available? Great. 
Yeah. Um, so who's available? So um, I went into work Monday, and we had maybe three cats available in adoption, and now it's the end of the week, and we have a gazillion cats in adoption. So we've got um, a litter How of that cats. Happen? I think we've got. Well, we just normal? get them in as strays, and um, we oh. had some in foster coming back. They aged out, and they're ready for adoption. So we've got many, many kittens right now. My favorite kitty is named Gravy. He's an orange and white uh, big guy, and he's like a young adult male, super cuddly and snuggly, and, like, he's an awesome cat if somebody likes the cuddly cats that don't really have that attitude. They just kind of want to snuggle with you and, like, hey, what you doing? Can I come join you? He's that kind of cat. So he's uh, super cool, and he's up for adoption. And then as far as dogs, we have got um, an explosion of puppies coming in left and right. So we've been fostering, getting those. Uh, we don't like to keep our puppies in the shelter because of disease. You know, we don't want them getting sick, and they, they have a low immune system. So we get them farmed out to fosters until they're a little bit older, and that's what we've been doing kind of sending these guys through their paces, getting them out to a safe place. So we are, um, we have a, let's see, our, my favorite dog of the week, actually, we had three puppies that came in and they were like lab mixes, really cute, probably five months old, something like that. Um, they came in as strays and they were named Dr. Pepper, Root Beer, and Pepsi. And See how that one happened. of them, yeah, <laughs> so, you know, we run out of names sometimes and it's like sometimes they can get real creative. Sometimes they're just a little like, eh, but, you know, they're cute little names. dogs, very friendly. One yeah. of them actually got a... Um, an injured leg, so they had to do an, amputa- oh. an amputation on the leg. So, but that is Dr. Pepper, and I believe that one is a girl, doing wonderful, um, recovering mm-hmm. super, super well. So we've got her, him or her, I think it's a girl, like I said, into a foster home, and they're available for adoption now. Um, they're fantastic dogs. We just, they're at that awkward five-month-old stage where they're like long legs and just energy, and you know. So we're going to have the two that are doing well at an event this weekend. We'll be at Petco in Pensacola uh, tomorrow, and we have a couple of realtor groups that are going to be with us, and they're sponsoring the event. So all the adoption fees are waived, so we're super excited about that, and we're hoping that folks will come out and find a pet, and uh, fees are waived, so it's a great time to pick a pet. Huh. Okay. Um, I don't really have any other questions. I'm just uh, – I don't know what we're going to talk about, so it's, it's kind of cool. Um what was I going to think about? Uh, well, let's, let's get the contact stuff here, and I'll, we'll, we'll see what's going on. Okay. There's other stuff yeah. we should know about, too. Any uh, any other uh, things happening in the area, things generally, pet news, you know, popular breeds, what's 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 in these days? You know, this is, I'm kind of curious. Yeah, um, so, <clears throat> excuse me, so the, the golden doodles and the doodles, 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 doodles are the pet explosion right now. Like, every time that I've gone to an event somewhere, if we go to Petco, PetSmart, we're seeing a gazillion of those guys come in. And um, they're beautiful dogs, and they're super cute. But, like, I feel like a couple years we're we're just going to be inundated with those guys at the shelter as well because we're already seeing a lot more of them. And people get them, and they're called designer dogs, and, and they're mixed-breed dogs is what they are. They're, they're not... <laughs> They're not anything other than a mixed breed dog. Somebody's mixing a one breed with another because they're popular right now and people are trying to make money off of them. But they're great dogs, just like any other dog, but they require a lot of work on their coat. And so I would just recommend to people do your research before you get one of these. If you don't want to spend money going to the groomers every four to six weeks, this is not the dog for you. So, so where do they come from? This, this is an interesting question because I see them around all over the place, and they, I, you know, it's like trendy couples. They'll, they'll have like the latest fashions, they'll have the <laughs> yeah. latest whatever, right? They'll be driving the right car of the year, you know, and they have a doodle. 
<laughs> you know, and, and yep, it's, a, exactly. it's a golden or uh, whatever other chocolate doodle. There's all these different doodles out there. So for, we, should, we should explain what we're talking about. Marco in the Netherlands is like, what are they talking about? So this is <laughs> a uh, this is a dog. That's what, what's what's the doodle? It's it's poodle and so the, what the golden what, doodle um, was. They and, and I could be wrong with the original <laughs> how they, but what the golden <laughs> retriever and the poodle standard poodle. Um, right. Sample Those were one of the folks. first ones. It's a big Yeah, dog. and so the idea yeah. was Golden Retriever has a great personality. They're awesome service dogs, that type of thing. Poodles, mm-hmm. hypoallergenic. So they kind of went with those two together, and they were very popular, good, solid temperaments, uh, really good dogs, large dogs. People wanted the size. And then, you know, it kind of progressed from there. Oh, I'm going to do a schnoodle, and, and so then we got the people with this. <laughs> What's that, a schnauzer Yeah, so then they noodle? started doing, like, the smaller breeds the same way. So they would do a schnauzer in a poodle, like a, not a not a standard poodle, but the mini poodles, and do those with the schnauzers. And then so and then in the big side, um, now we're seeing, like, a Bernese Mountain Dog, a Bernese Poodle. Yeah, Marco just said that. He just typed that in yeah. from Dallas. He says, I know there's a oh, doodle version of a Bernese Mountain Dog. What would you call it, a boodle? I think they call them. That's cuter, actually. They call them. I don't know, Bernie Doodles or something, but Doodles. Bernie Doodles. But th- that's like a. But that's like a teen pop of, star. Yeah, and then they're doing the Bernies. They're doing. Um, I haven't seen them with the Pyrenees. Well, those, those are great dogs by themselves. Office, but exactly, and if you fabulous want that dog, you want that dog for that reason, ideally. But they are definitely, and then Aussie Doodles. We're seeing those. Um, oh, no. Just the mixtures. They're all mixed breeds. That's what they are. So they're not. Do they designer, call them doodles? Minor. <laughs> As in G'day? G'day doodles? <laughs> There's all kinds of, like, I'm hearing all kinds of different, um, you know, spinoffs of the name. So, but yeah, we're just so really a seeing a lot of those dogs in our area. So. <laughs> if you mix with a shepherd, is it a shoodle? <laughs> you know, could be. Sorry. Could be, or, or a. Gosh, I don't know. I was trying. We were on that kick one day at work, coming up with little silly names of if dogs are mixed together. And it's funny sometimes we'll see a dog that comes in, and you clearly go, "This dog looks like." We had one that looked like a basset, and a I think it was like a golden retriever because he looked like a golden retriever body, but he was short. And I was like, we you know we joke around like, hey, we can make up a designer name for this guy and try to adopt him out quicker because technically, like he's a mutt, just like any other designer dog is a mutt, but. People might think, oh, he's a fancy, you know, he's a golden. But they're not a breed yet, are they? They're, they're not an established breed. They're not registered as a, of anything yet because they're mixed, right? Right, they are not. Not to my knowledge. I don't know if they're trying to work towards that. I, I would, I would not think so. But yeah, I mean, they're beautiful dogs, and not saying there's anything wrong with them. I'm just saying people are breeding them for money, and they are one of the top dogs in the puppy mills yeah. that are being farmed out to people. And just you know, people just really should think about that. Like, if you like certain characteristics of a dog, like that's understandable. But this is a money. It's a money ploy. It's this is why they were made. Why everybody in the you know. You see so many of them right now being sold at these crazy amounts. It's because it's a moneymaker, and eventually it'll probably fade off, and then you'll have an influx of these animals at shelters, which yeah, is what is already out. happening up north. Sorry. Exactly, and they'll go on to the next <laughs> fancy dog that's the, you know, whatever movie. Well, fancy the dog du jour. That can you be know, the dog. yeah. Yeah, um, Marco makes a point. He says the mix of with the the doodle, which is what you said, gives them better life expectancy. Uh-huh. Uh, however, character is a gamble. Yeah, well, now, it's interesting. We, we should talk about uh, do dog breeds take on the characteristics of their country? Like a French dog would be classy yet snooty, right? <laughs> you know, just like, see, <laughs> so, so, you get, so what you want to do is you want to get the classy part of of the poodle and, and forget the snooty stuff. <laughs> you know, and I'm not going to have that dog suit. It's not that to my standards. You'll think very much. You know, so do a little Crusoe doodle. <laughs> I'm sorry. 
Sorry, I want to apologize to my French listeners. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, but it, the Duke take on a character. I mean, like a German Shepherd. Yeah, the German Shepherd is a very, very strong dog, takes photos, and uh, he's very healthy. And, you know, like, I'm just wondering. And, of course, the British Bulldog looks exactly like Winston Churchill and takes on all the characteristics of the British. Maybe you want them or not. Yes, there you go. You know, but they do. They really yeah, do. So dogs do, and that's, dogs that's do have a natural character. And that's funny that you do that because we actually – yeah, we do that at the shelter. We we make uh, voices for our dogs. I do that at home as well. So sometimes it's like they don't really match up, but sometimes you're like spot on. This one you definitely could picture him having, you know, like the German <laughs> Shepherd. You're like, yeah, you definitely picture this dog having this accent and, you know, yes, like the Arnold the accent and doing this thing. You have forgot your property, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'll do it. I'll do the voices for you. I mean, we could make a video. It'd be hysterical. You should do it, too, for, like, the female dogs. That would be outrageous. We'll have, like, little dog conversations. We'll make videos for the shelter. You'll, 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 you'll mm-hmm. adopt a ton of I'm serious about this. You'll adopt a ton of them. <laughs> You'd be great. You know, hey, you well, could, that, uh, hey, we're down I'll, with it. That sounds hilarious. I, I'm game. So just we'll just get the, the cell phone and, uh, you know, make a video, and, and then I'll just do the, you know, you and I will do the voices. I'll have a little script ahead of time. I'll send them over to you. They're like, okay, here's the, here's the ones that need the, the male voices. And we do, um, I mean, we do that with our pictures sometimes. We make little comments, but it's like, it's uh, yeah, the, the voiceover definitely sounds like that would be a lot of fun for sure. And, and you almost can look at a dog in, in your mind and go, yeah, this is what he would sound like and get get it pretty accurate. You know, once you see the dog, you're like, oh, yeah, this dog is oh, definitely yeah. going to, you know, sound this way. And if you call on Yoda, I'll do a Yoda impression. Mm, strong in the forest we are today. Mm. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> it's a hobby. Hey, you better give the contact information at 730. So let's say, uh, and oh, 729. Okay, absolutely. Call it, yeah. uh, so we're at... Santa Rosa County Animal Services, 4451 Pine Forest Road, Milton, Florida, 32583. Phone number is 850-983-4680. Or you can check us out at our website, slash animals And always check us out on Facebook for cute pictures and Instagram as well. Well, we got until he calls. <laughs> so it could be any time now. But, yeah, I, I like this video okay. idea. This could be really fun. You know, especially because you get, well, yeah. let, me hear, let me hear one of your accents. Who do you do? Oh, my gosh. See, I normally don't do these ever in front of anyone, so I, I don't really have it. You're on radio. I Nobody just, sees you. Well, it's just your voice. Yeah, but someone will, <laughs> someone's going to hear this now. So. Now, yeah, like, well, so hopefully. My dog, my dog at home. Well, yeah, hopefully lots of people. Well, so, so my dog, I have a Rottweiler that was my mother's, and then I have my Mastiff, and they're both shelter or rescue pets. So the Rottweiler... Um, he actually, we don't do a German accent for him because he's more like a bro dog. So we're always like, yeah, he'd be the type of um, person that would like go to the gym all the time. And then he would like help the old lady across the street because he's super sweet. So I was like, bro, yeah, man. Oh, can I have a chip, dude? And so we, that's our little voice for <laughs> for him because he's, he's always just kind of like, you know, he's like, yeah, I was jumping the fence, man. I found this cool ball. I want to check it out. And it's more like a stoner voice, but it's like a bro voice for him because it's like he's a really um, muscular Rottweiler, so he's always doing physical activities. You need, you need around a dude to do that. Yeah, you have to have a dude for, yeah. male, for male dogs, yeah. Hey, listen, Derek's here, so uh, the good thing we got our contact information in. Uh, work on it. Let's talk okay. during the week, and uh, I'm available for voiceovers. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Well, hope you guys have a British, good rest of the day yeah. then. I'm sorry. Oh, go ahead. I interrupted you with my, my church hall again. Oh, no. I was going to say I hope you guys have a good good rest of Friday. Thank you. Thanks, Tara. I think thank you. Money. What is it? How does it work? How do you get it to work for you? So many choices. Stocks, bonds, mutual funds, commodities. And then there are the markets. Oil, gold, manufacturing, trade, energy, 
even government? To make sense of all the places your money can go, Derek Park, our Action Radio financial reporter, joins us Fridays at this time to make sense of the markets and your money. You know, I still don't have those transitions right. I'm always stepping on people's lines when they're leaving, and I'm getting ready to play the next theme. And I'm doing this like five years. You think I get it right by now? Good morning, Derek. <laughs> I'm doing fine. You missed my, my birthday show yesterday. You didn't call in and sing when I'm 64. So I'm now looking at life from 64, having a great time, and uh, doing what I love doing. So I'm, I'm in great shape here. 64. Wow. <laughs> I know. You didn't know that. I know I look younger, right? It's good genes. Attitude. You, you know, constant comedy. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, yeah. I think it was a surprise. Well, no, I feel really fortunate uh, in that. Um, that. The only the big health challenge was uh, actually, you know, it was funny. This is back in uh, uh, 2016. I found out the same week I had, you know, melanoma, which is fatal, and a heart condition, which was, you know, potentially fatal, and I had to take care of both of those. Once I got that taken care of, I've been great. <laughs> it's like, yeah, okay. Okay. Surviving. Keep yeah. Everybody has challenges, right? You know, but uh, once you take, if you take care of yourself and then, uh, you know, doing the exercise and all the other stuff, the good news nutrition uh, it makes such a difference so you set good habits early and i'm looking at uh I'm, here i'm starting a new career when all my friends are retiring so that's that's right. what that's what can happen yeah so uh, we should talk about that healthy ad, well that'd be a good topic one time for for you know senior investors who are still active who are still doing things who are still who are looking at you know you know god willing uh, a number of years left to accomplish things that might change an investment uh, do you ever take that into account? I, mean, I never thought of talking about this, but do you ever take that into account, uh, the health of someone? If, if they're looking really good and they're, you know, 70 and they're still vibrant, they're probably still working, maybe have a company. That would change their investment strategy, wouldn't it? Completely. Um, would it? I mean, yes, yes and no. It depends on their risk tolerance. It depends on what okay. their goal is. You know what I mean? So, you know, if their goal is to, to you know, live a, live a good life, um, you know, and make sure the money lasts. Yes, it could. Um, you know, if their goal is really to leave a legacy and they kind of don't care because they prepped really well, then um, then no. I mean, you know, I mean, you can mm. you can change stuff up. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I'm I'm looking forward to the lifestyle. I'd like to to you know, get. I've got several airplanes I want to buy, so I got some plans. Anyway, um, a couple of interesting things. Uh, I, I don't know if you had a chance to check the economics page, our Action Radio economics page. There's a, there's a there's a ton of interesting um, articles there, and I found one from the Mises Institute. And this is the folks, Ludwig von Mises Institute. They're up in Auburn University. They're not too far up, you know, north of where we are here in the Panhandle. Uh, and they talked about uh, the money supply. Uh, they talk about negative money supply growth, which to me seems like a contradiction, because if the money supply mm. is growing, you know, that's inflationary. You know, when it gets to a certain point, if there's, if there's nothing, if the wealth of the of the country, if the economy is not growing with it. Uh, but they're talking about negative money supply growth. It seems like a contradiction. So let me read you a quote here and see if this makes sense. They say the money supply metric used here, the true or Rothbard Salerno, which is something I'm not familiar with, money supply measure, they call it TMS. I'm sure that's an acronym for something else, but I'm not going to ask. Anyway, it says the metric developed by Murray Rothbard and Joseph Salerno and is designed to provide a better measure of money supply fluctuations than M2. Have you heard about negative money supply growth or this Rothbard Salerno thing? Do you know what they're talking about? Because it's new to me. No, I haven't actually. Okay. Um, yeah, well, that's that question. That's, that's kind of <laughs> yeah. It's kind of kind of new. 
Well, take a look. Um, I usually tag you on these things, but I know you're busy. I'm busy. We're all busy because life is busy. But if you get a chance, I do try to post, you know, interesting things like this and especially things I disagree with because I'm thinking to myself, if the, the money supply, well, let's just talk in more general terms. So the amount of dollars circulating, and unfortunately, the government controls that. If we had a free market, see, I'm, I'm not a big, I don't require a gold standard. And I think you've talked about this because there's, there's not a gold right. You know, to to, no. to uh, match all the money, but that's not imp- that's not as important to me as a consistent money supply. So if the money supply mm-hmm. stays stable, you don't need gold to back it. It's it's backed by the fact that uh, you know Congress is keeping it stable. And so as the economy grows, as wealth grows, you know, people, raw materials, labor, finished goods, services, things like that, wealth, you know, general genuine wealth. Uh, I don't mind if the money supply grows proportionate to that. Um, that's okay. But when the money supply grows right. way above the wealth, you know, and each uh-huh. dollar, you know, becomes worth less, then the prices go up to pay because you still people still want the same value. And if that value is with ten dollars or with twenty dollars, they still want the same purchasing power. So that's where it becomes negative. So so why would economists, unless they, it's like it's like saying two percent inflation is desirable? No, it's not. Five percent deflation is desirable. You know, zero percent is okay. <laughs> Anything positive yeah, in inflation yeah. is, is inflationary. You know, so is this one of those things where the, the, it's kind of like a made-up number? Negative money supply growth. It just it doesn't because they say growth. So I, I'm, I'm confused. Are you as confused as I am by this? I am. Yeah. I, I mean, okay. it's, it's not All something right. I'm real familiar with. Well, it's good to know then. All right, let me give you the other one here. And this might be close at home. Wall Street Journal, another article I post on the Action Radio Economics page. It's the article's titled yeah. Government Bubble Burst. It says, stung by historic losses in recent years, long-term bond investors are showing a diminishing desire to lend to the U.S. government. Or maybe it's just that the government is trying to borrow too damn much. It's pretty editorial for the Wall Street Journal. I'm kind of impressed. But let's talk about the first part of that. Uh, if people don't buy the treasury bills, if they don't invest in debt, what does the government do? Um, <laughs> I'm not sure. You know what I mean? Like, that's, a, that's, a, that's one of those gotcha questions. Um, that's a good answer, too. You know what yeah. I mean? The, so, yeah, the, the government, <laughs> they, make, they, they make money off of, off of producing debt obligations. Um, you know, so... Um, you know, I, they can make money, I guess, you know, if you look at it with, you know, uh, uh, agreements with other countries, you know, uh, support to other countries, you know, the, mm-hmm. the whole thing with Ukraine that's going on, um, you know, while they're giving them money, um, you know, there's there's an exchange on how they have to pay that back. And there's an exchange on, you know, what rules, you know, so, you know, they do they do loans to countries. So, you know, I mean, they're. There are other ways, but, you know, the ROI, you know, on the currency, you know, the best way to do that, obviously, is through our bonds. ROI, I think that's the return on investment, just for the, for the uneconomic, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know. <laughs> well, I, I gotta say, everybody has, uh, has uh, acronyms. I just want to make sure I get them out there. Okay. So, but I didn't think any money was coming back from Ukraine. I thought that, that was like a gift. Uh, is, that, is any of that loans? To Ukraine? No, yeah, that's the, any time that stuff happens. Now, now, okay, let me tell you the way it's supposed to happen, and, and I don't know <laughs> yeah, really do know that. what happens because there's there's no accountability. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, the the bottom line is is the way that it's supposed to happen. 
um, is, you know, I mean, there's an agreement made that says, hey, we're either going to give you weapons, money, you know, I mean, like, you know, you're going to pay us back. We're giving you $80 billion. You're going to pay us back 100. You know, I, I don't know what the interest rate is on it. You know what right, I mean? I'm, right. just, uh-huh. I'm making stuff oh. up, right? Um, yeah, you're going to pay us back 100, and you have to do that over the next, you know, 10 years. You know, if 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 you win your war, you know, we expect it sooner. You know, what I mean, like there's there's, you know, I'm I'm putting this very 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 broad, you mm-hmm. know, because that that's that's the type of agreement that is made that says, okay, hey, we're going to provide you support. You're going to provide us X, you know, and this also, you know, in the tense, uh, like if you're talking about Kuwait in Desert Storm. You know, mm-hmm. U.S. is like, yeah, we'll come get you, man. Um, you're going to give us some of that oil, right? <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, well, that was, that was know, Trump's big thing. You know, he said, why didn't we keep the oil when we, we saved Iraq, quote, unquote? Um, and then yeah. uh, the, Hussein ended up destroying all the oil wells. It's like, that was, that, hey, listen, if we're saving the country, that's our oil. <laughs> that's how I look at it. Right. Or leave, or leave the country yeah. alone. Let them, let them fend for themselves, you know? I mean, right. uh, uh, wow. What a mess. All right. Um, but this is interesting, though, that I don't think people have thought about this. This, this might be, you know, the, the bellwether. This might be the, the canary in the coal mine, that if people stop borrowing, and what would it cause them to stop? I, I think if the, uh, the, the current treasuries are at a higher interest rate than previous ones, so they, they call that a, a reverse yield curve or something, where they keep offering more and more. So your older treasuries at the lower interest rate, they're not worth as much. So why would right. – so what's so what's going on? What's what's with the interest rates? How's that playing to whether people are going to invest in our debt or not? Um, you know, I mean, it's 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 actually playing well. Um, you know, that being said, you know, I mean, our 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 debt, you know, right now is worth its weight in gold. Um, you know, I mean, they're who? you know the Fed, the the Fed um, is going to be on the hook to raise the rates uh, when they meet in November. It's November first. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm 99.9% sure that they're going to raise the rates. Um, you know, the inflation reports for the past two months, inflation has kind of gone sideways. Um, and this last one, um, you know, it's, it's jumped a bit, you know, so, um, you know, they're, hmm. they're going to raise the rates. Right. And Powell even said yesterday, which spooked the market to go backwards and the market two days ago went back really hard. Um, you know, so it went back hard yesterday, went back really hard two days ago, but Powell came out and said, Hey, inflation's pretty resilient. And so is the consumer. So, um, you know, if it doesn't continue down, there's going to be more rate hikes, you know, so, um, Hmm, yeah, not, not good. And meanwhile, Congress is still borrowing and they can't even elect a speaker. Although, let me ask ask the the question du jour, because I know something really uh, incredible, and I heard it on a news report, it was Charlie Kirk was saying it yesterday and some other folks, that grassroots pressure has kept Jim Jordan in the speaker's race. I know we're a little off economic topic, but, uh, you know, because that's where they spend the money and create the inflation starts in the House. So this is critical for, for what we talk about here every week. But Jim Jordan was on his way out. The deep state had won. They, they, had, their, they had their wimp. They had their rhino. They had their uh, McHenry. They had their John Boehner, Paul Ryan, you know, Kevin McCarthy. They had their stooge. And, and we've talked about the, my feeling is that a, it doesn't matter whether the House is Republican or not. It just matters who the speaker is and whether they control the conservatives. And that's what they're trying to do again. However, apparently, Steve Bannon, War Room, grassroots pressure, people calling Congress. I mean, we're in Matt Gates' district. We don't have to call. We know what he's doing. He's, he's doing fine. Maybe just reinforce it with him. But uh, as far as the others, they turned around. He lost. He lost yesterday. Now he's coming back for another today and he's going to fight. That's all been yeah. – 
real Republicans. It's all been grassroots pressure. And what that tells me is that Action Radio will work. I mean, I always know it will work, but there's the evidence right there that they turned around the speaker's race. The deep state lost one to people making phone calls. Well, imagine if they have legislation in their hands and they actually provide Congress and the state legislators and local governments with, with actual legislation ready to go, ready for committee hearing, because that's what we do here. Yeah. Observation. I'm just so, curious what you think. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I think yes. Um, you know, I mean, I got to take my other hat off for a minute. You know yep. what I mean? Like, I think I said this before, like, you know, you know, a lot of a lot of people don't necessarily like Matt Gates, but one of his biggest complaints is, hey, we continue doing these continuing resolutions, mm-hmm. which all it does is say we keep doing the same old thing. He says we can't as a country afford to keep doing the same old thing. Mm-hmm. We need to get a budget together that reduces our spending, you know, streamlines the American economy, you know, and, and make sure that we're doing the right thing for, for the people, right? And and he's 100% right. You, I mean, like him or not. You know, what I mean, I the bottom line like is, it's like I just wish you were on the show. Well, I'm just, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm saying a lot of people yeah. don't. You know, there's yeah, uh, no, they weirdly enough, we ran into uh, uh, somebody running against them. I'll leave the name unknown. Um, you know, and I went and checked out her page, and um, you know, it's it's all, all she does is like trash everything he does, and it's just like okay, you know, there's a little bit deeper stuff that was on there about about what he was doing. You know, I mean, like. Uh, one of her things was, you know, he was wanting to shut the government down for budgets. And, you know, there's four military bases. And let me tell you why that's bad. And like, OK, I was in the military when the government shut down. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the bottom what line happened? is is they still get paid. You yeah. know, like you still get paid. Like your paycheck comes in weird, you know, but, um, you know, it's like you still get paid. Um, you know, some operations may slow down, which, you know, in turn gives people a little bit more time off. So like when it happened for us, the op tempo was high because we were fighting two wars. Right. Right. So, um, you you know, so for us, when the, when the government shut down and they're like, okay, well, you know, we're just going to come into work today. You know, it was like, we were out of there at two (laughs) o'clock. So it was like, wow. Okay. There's, there's, there's kind of nothing to do. So it ended up. No raise today, everybody. (laughs) Chill out. Yeah. So, so it yeah. resulted in, in us having a little bit extra time. And then number two, you know, yeah, our paycheck came in a little bit weird. You know, I mean, like, you know, you're supposed to be paid on the first and the 15th. I got paid, right. you know, like a day later, I got paid on the second and then like a little bit more came paid? in on like the, yeah. uh, I did, you know, I eventually yeah. all got paid. Um, you know, that happened twice in my military career. Um, you know, so, um, you know, it's not it's not necessarily a bad thing, but, um, you know, really look at the holistic approach of what he's trying to do. You know, he's trying to say, hey, let's quit the bleeding and let's mm-hmm. fix this thing. And, and there's that. It's not just him. I'm just using him as an example. There's mm-hmm. actually um, about six or eight Democrats that are kind of on the on the board with us. And then, you know, there's about 20 Republicans that are kind of yeah, like, freedom hey, we yeah. need to fix this thing. The the funny thing is, is, you know, that's like saying, you know, 95 percent of the, the House and Senate are kind of like, nah, who cares? <laughs> you know, or so. I, I want mine. I'm just hoping it doesn't crash while I'm in office. You know, that's what they're really saying. That's right. That's yeah. Right. It's like, don't well, don't don't go yeah, on my guess watch. What? Yeah. Yeah. They're they're um, you know, they're about to wreck this train, man, because uh, if inflation continues to remain sticky, um, you know, and and I mean, you know, we're starting to get some shaky uh, companies reporting um, you know, uh, uh, misses, you know, uh, uh, profit misses, you Ooh, know, if that continues to happen, misses? we're going to meet, is that what they call it? We're going to meet, <laughs> they don't call it losses. <laughs> I'm just curious. Profit. Misses no, it's, 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 yeah, it's a, it's a profit miss. Okay. 
you know, they'll come in and say, hey, earnings per share were supposed to be, you know, uh, their P&E ratio basically is supposed to be, you know, X, Y, Z, but it came in it uh, came in at this number, which was lower than expectations. And that's that typically is bad for the stock price, i.e. Tesla. You know what I mean? I've, I'll throw Tesla under the bus. They they missed, you know, they've been lower in prices because sales have been slowing and, you know, the stock is under under heavy pressure. I mean, it was down like 9% yesterday, um, you know, so um, – that's, well, that's, here's something. You know, we're getting more earnings coming in bad, which is going to result in, in in more quarters of negative GDP, and unemployment is on the rise. So, uh, I mean, you know, the the what's the the case for a recession is looking real good. Yeah, which is that what we want? But uh, we've been telling people, you know, I hate to say I told you so, but we <laughs> we've been headed for recession since uh, Brandon stole the White House. Uh, that's me. That's not yeah. your, <laughs> that's not your department. But anyway. Um, I got some questions from Pianchi here, but something you just mentioned about Tesla. Uh, Tesla's owned by China now. Uh, a lot of companies are owned by European and uh, companies, uh, countries in China. Uh, and I posted this another what do you mean, article. What do you mean owned by China? What do you, what do you mean? Uh, the company is, is, is Chinese now or whatever it is. Tesla's owned by like, some Chinese company. What? That's what I thought. Oh, All right, hang on. Hang on. Yeah, I don't know. All right, wait a minute. Let me let me pull it up here. Let me Send pull it up to the me. article. <laughs> Send it. To but it's on. It's on. No, it's on my economic report. I gotta I gotta pull it because I don't think I have it uh, posted to my articles for the show. This will only take me a second to find it here. Okay. Um, but it, now, if it's wrong, then let me know because I don't wanna, I don't want to you know I don't want to be accused of posting yeah. false information. I'm, I get accused. Of, I get accused of it enough when it's real information. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Do you uh, uh yeah, do you want me to get the report because I do got to kind of leave briefly at eight today. Uh, get okay, the report get while you're looking for that. Article. Yeah. Okay. Go for it. All right. Well, good morning. Uh, this is Derek with the Action Radio Financial Report. Stocks closed lower following Fed commentary. Equities finished lower on Thursday following uh, Fed Chair Jerome Powell's late morning speech, which addressed the U.S. economic outlook. Long-term yields ticked, uh, ticked higher with the 10-year Treasury yield approaching the 5% mark, a level not seen since 2007. Existing home sales for September came in slightly above consensus expectations, but were 15% lower on a year-over-year basis as higher borrowing costs have pressured housing market activity to go lower. On the corporate front, Netflix rose over 15% following a strong third-quarter earnings report after the market closed yesterday, while the consumer discretionary sector lagged following a softer-than-expected earnings report from Tesla. Corporate earnings will remain in the spotlight over the coming weeks, and the S&P 500 heavyweights, Microsoft, Alphabet, Meta, and Amazon are set to report next week. Oh my gosh, this is another big report. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Dow Jones Industrial closed down closed down two hundred fifty one points or point seven five percent to thirty three four fourteen. NASDAQ closed down one hundred and twenty eight points or point nine six to thirteen one eighty six. And the S P five hundred closed down thirty seven points or point eight five to forty two seventy eight. In the bond market, treasury ten year treasury yield is at four point nine eight percent. Commodity prices, the crude price of crude oil was up two dollars and nine cents or two point three nine percent to eighty nine thirty six. The spot price of gold was up twenty dollars and twenty cents or one point oh three percent to nineteen eighty eight fifty. This is Derek with the Action Radio Financial Report. You can give me at eight five zero nine nine five zero zero eight two. One other mm-hmm. note that I'll add to this. Um the thirteen week treasury is sit five point three. Um, and the 10-year is now at 5.98. So w- the yield curve is is getting real close to coming back in line 
which is also another indicator that, hey, once the yield curve like kind of writes itself, that's when you mm-hmm. need to watch out. Oh, tell me why. So the yield curve inversion is, is, has been a long-term indicator of, of recession, right? Right. You know, so typically I think it is um, that they say that the yielding, yield curve inversion, the recession happens within three months to, to 18 months. Well, here we are. We're right at 18 months right now. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so um, the yield curve, there's another statistic that says that, that once it writes itself, um, there's also a high probability that that recession is near, um, and I don't know the numbers on that one, what they're estimating, but yeah, the yield curve is is almost coming back to even. So, so the, a normal curve would be long-term bonds should be paying a higher interest rate than short-term bonds because you're you're, you're, you're making yeah, that's that's good. So that's the right. So the, the the so the inverse curve is when the short-term bonds are paying more than the long-term. Long-term bonds, everybody's buying short-term. Yeah. So, so basically, that means everybody's running to the short term because they're avoiding, they're avoiding, you know, volatility in rates and they're avoiding volatility in the market. Uh huh. And the short term. So, if the if the term if it, they change, you know, they're not in it for the long haul. They don't have to sell that ten right. year bond. It's only a well. What's the shortest term? The what now? Shortest term you can buy a bond for. Thirteen weeks. <laughs> Ten years, thirteen weeks. Interesting. All right, I found the thing on Tesla. It's from StreetInsider.com. They've got a bunch of different companies, including General Motors. But it says Tesla uh, was purchased by Tencent Holding Limited uh, in China. It says Elon Musk might be the biggest behind Tesla and the majority shareholder with twenty-one point seven percent. But he's the only. But he isn't the only one pumping money into the automotive company. Plenty of shareholders in Tencent Holdings. Have you heard that? I know who Tencent is. Yeah. Okay. Well, how about this General Motors one? It's it's, uh, purchased by Shanghai Automotive Industry Group in China. Um, Let's see here. So Tencent, Mm. it says they only have a 5% stake. Okay, that's not owning it then. So this article might be both. Yeah, that's not owning it. It just just that they bought – they're they're the biggest majority shareholder over over, – the biggest majority shareholder over um, Elon Musk. Okay. All right. Well, in that case, yeah. um, you know, I did. I just erased my so, whole I mean, window, it, so it, I've got. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably. I mean, it's it's probably a little sensationalized. I mean, like ten cent um, over there is kind of it's kind of like saying it's their um, Spotify. You know, it's kind of like what ten cent is over there. Uh, okay. It's, ten cent is 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 an internet platform that provides them chats and. And you know, and 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 like a Facebook type service, um, as well as music and things like that. So they're publicly traded. So their biggest companies over there are QQ, um, Tencent, and uh, ten, or the companies that do that, and uh, Baidu, and they're all publicly hmm. traded. Um, yeah. So okay. Um, so let me let me yeah. take that article off for now, and uh, I'm going to take. I'll, I'll, well, if you get a chance during the week, you know, take a look and tell me. Uh, but I think I'll take it off because it sounds like it's more sensationalized. That's why I want to run it by you. Um, Pianki is a yeah. question. Oh, and the other thing too is um, you're going to be off at eight o'clock because uh, we have an, another report that starts at eight o'clock. We have. Uh, are you ready for this? The Black Mama Bear Gun Report. <laughs> With Candy Pettigard. So, <laughs> so, you know, it, it's funny. It, it, so she loves that name. And uh, you'll, you'll – anyway, it's, it's a fabulous report. But we have two gun reports now that follow you. So uh, if you get a chance to check it out, hang out, listen, or pick up the podcast later. 
these two are just amazing people. We remember when we had Jim and uh, Shirley on for like two years or more. Those two had a fabulous. Oh yeah. Uh, two fabulous yeah, supports, yeah, and yeah. they're also friends, so they they overlapped. Yeah. Well, we're sort of it, it's kind of happened again. <laughs> it's great. It's talking about serendipity. Um, let me get to Pianki's question because it's really interesting. The Department of Justice uh, and the, the Brandon Insurrection have said that banks have to lend to illegals. Is that showing up? Uh, in the market at all, and, and you know, talk about talk about a. Uh, uh, it's bad enough to lend to Americans that can't pay back, but if you're going to lend to illegals that can't pay back, and you're forced to do it by the government, this this is in, first of all unconstitutional and illegal. But it's just insane. Why why would anybody want that? What kind of you know? It's not politically. I understand it, but economically, that doesn't make any sense. I don't. Yeah, I wouldn't know either. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well. Um, why don't I give you a chance? We've got five minutes. <laughs> what do you want to report on? I, was, I think I've asked you enough questions that uh, I, I think I've like, it's almost like we're playing stump the economist, you know, and I don't want to do that. I don't want to get, you know, leave you with questions all the time that are just huge. And then go, Oh, gee, I got to take a look at that. You know, I, I feel kind of bad sometimes. Yeah. Um, all right. I mean, you can well, ask the questions and, and I can answer them if I have an opportunity to kind of, kind of plug in some data and figure out what, you know, yeah. what the direction of it is. Um, you know, so no, I mean, it's a, you know, it's a very interesting time that we're in right now. I mean, economically, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it, you know, clients come to me with the expectation that, you know, I'm going to be able to pick the good investments. And I'm like, you know, listen, this isn't, you know, 20, 2017 and 2019 mm-hmm. where I could throw spaghetti at the wall and it would stick, you know, um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, right now it's, it's, it's a, it's a, um, a tough time, you know, it's foggy to pick investments. So I, I'm normally telling people, look, if you don't want to see negatives over the coming years, you know, next year, I'll say, you know, mm-hmm. you, you need to, you need to buy things that are a little bit more stable and yeah, you're going to be stuck with a 5% return, but you know, infi- inflation isn't far behind that. But you know, mm-hmm. if you're somebody that squeamish on seeing your account go down um, this is not a time to be buying things that are risky. <laughs> so it's it's me personally. I mean, I, I'm kind of a person that doesn't care, right? If I see something dip, I buy, right? I don't run away from it. I use it as an investing opportunity to to build wealth, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and there's really only a handful of people that that trust the system like that. You know, especially when you throw politics into it, they're just like, oh, the company country's gonna you know, just go to hell in a handbasket. And I'm like, okay, let me, let me explain to you what happens when that happens. Right. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the paper that you, uh, that you call money, you might as well go ahead and light that on fire. Right. <laughs> you know, the next thing is, 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 uh, it, you know, like we are 25% of the world's economy, 25%. Right. Yep. Right. If mm-hmm. our country decides to just, you know, implode, like you think it's going to do, guess mm-hmm. what happens to the world? Right. Yeah. China gets 33% of their food from us. If we had to close our doors because we had our own problems going on, China's going to run into a famine that they've never seen, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, Mao Zedong kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like, um, you know, it's, it's uh, it, you know, so, so these people worry about stuff. So I would say, you know, for the, for the common investor, just kind of a good comment. Yeah, it's a, it's a little bit of a rough time politically, economically. It shouldn't fear you out of investing. There are always places to go where you can get a return. It may not be the return you're looking for, but you know, patience uh, does is, is something that that uh, is required in investing. Yeah. 
You know, you're so good at that. I think you should uh, just take time for a commentary before we even get started talking before my questions. Just uh, just a couple of minutes, two, three, four or five minutes, whatever you want to do. And just um, just, you know, spell it out because we've got an election year coming up. A lot of people are going to be worried. You know, a lot of us are, are, are hoping and praying that Trump gets back in and he'll restore the policies that we know work. So I'm almost like thinking, you know, if you if you invest you know, before the election, before the rush, you know, people are going to wait until Trump's you know, voted in uh, and it's not stolen before. It's, OK, now I'm going to invest because the economy is going to get good. But so you almost want to do it beforehand and uh, and hope for the best and, and just still make good investments. But even a bad economy, the depression. You know, the Depression was Hollywood's golden years. Automakers were making outstanding vehicles. So somebody was making money in the Depression. You know, as bad as things oh, were, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It can be done, you know. So it's just, uh, you know, it's it's going to be a tough time for the next couple of years. And, you know, I gave you my analogy about, uh, you know, about them wrecking the car. Um, you know, I mean, yeah. I, I think so far they're doing a real good job of it. So, yeah. you know. Do you have to have to go? Because we get, uh, I, got no, I, gotta, I gotta go. Sorry, yeah, we'll, we'll do I got no problem at all. Engagement over in Pensacola. Go, so go, go. Thank yep. you very much. Appreciate the report today. Yes, sir. Come I will not week. be on next week. By the way, I will. Oh. Uh, I will be in I'll Scotland. So, well, Scotland. I'm gonna try some single malt Scotch there, laddie. Gonna wear a kilt. What all you day. Gonna do in Scotland. Yeah. Can you call us? I'll, I'll, I'll post line. some pictures. So yeah. look out. <laughs> I actually, I already have it on the calendar. Have a wonderful time. We'll talk to you in a couple weeks. Yep. All right. Take care. All right. All right. Okay. There we go. So Derry Park, who was just amazing on, on all this economic stuff. Sorry, Candy, I was going to have you a little overlap, but he, he had to dash. So now I have to find – I'm still working on my alphabet here. <laughs> now, where did I put Candy's report? Is it under Candy or is it under uh, uh, Black Mountain Bear Gum Report? Oh, there it is. I found it. <laughs> I think it's a little loud. Let me turn that one back just a little bit. All right. And here we go. Every once in a while, you run across someone who doesn't quite fit the image of who you expect. And sometimes you get totally surprised. This is one of those times. Candy Petticord is a facilitator of A Girl and a Gun, a state leader, D.C. Project, Women for Gun Rights, a training coordinator, Buckeye Farms Association, a board member of Faster Save Lives, an NRA life member and training counselor, and a USCCA instructor. And for the rest of the story, you'll just have to listen to Candy Petticard, because this is the Black Mama Bear Gun Report on Action Radio. So, uh, Candy, do you have any like honorary degrees to throw in there, too? I mean, you can't get my longest list of qualifications, I think, for the show. And now an honorary degree in constitutional law from the University of Notre Dame. You know, I'm just curious. That'd be pretty cool. Wouldn't it, though? <laughs> that would be very cool. I don't have any honoraries yet, but, hey, oh. who knows what's coming down the pipe. So. Oh, I'm open, too. <laughs> just If nothing else, I'd like a law degree from an honorary degree from, I don't know, let's, let's go for the top. Let's say Harvard or Yale, despite the fact that they're leftist, prejudiced, Marxist, you know, who hate Israel and Jews. But other than that, it'd be fun to have, <laughs> listen to Alan Dershowitz. I know, right? Yeah, but it'd be fun to have an honorary I degree from there, that. just because, yeah, yeah, yeah. And now... Greg Pengles for Action Radio with his honorary degree in law after writing, you know, legislation for the last 10 years. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Well, which all goes to prove, as I say on the show. You're probably Uh, writing them. You're probably writing them better than the guys who actually have degrees. But I digress. (laughs) No, no, actually, no. uh, if, If I may, if I may pat myself on the back here, that was the whole purpose of Action Radio was to write bills better. 
than the people that see the bills have written by members of Congress. They, well, it's true. No, they haven't. Well, you'll learn more about this. The longer you hang out here, the more we'll, we'll throw at you. Um, but uh, that's that's. Well, I'll send you my gun. Have I sent you our gun laws yet? Our proposed laws? Because some of them. You have good. not. Okay, I'll do you that. All right. Not. Yeah, I gotta do that. Okay. Yeah, I gotta post them on. I should post them on the gun page. You know, I get so carried away with those sometimes I forget what we do here, which is write bills. Um, but there's a bill on reversing the. Um, uh, the way that uh, gun checks are done. So instead of registering everybody and putting everybody through a background check, you simply produce your driver's license ID, and the gun stores have the prohibited list. And if you're not on the prohibited list, you can buy whatever you want. So a gun check is done, but they don't know who you are. Nothing's registered. You just, you know, the, the gun store person or the, the registered firearm license holder, you know, puts your driver's license up against the computer, and they have picture ID of, of the people who are prohibited. If you're not on the list, buy a gun. Buy six guns. I don't care. Buy whatever you want. That's one of our bills. Mm-hmm. There's another bill that, uh, cool. uh, that would immediately allow silencers and suppressors because why should you have to go de- you know, deaf when you're defending your life? Um, so that's a bill. Um, we've got one that offers tax credits and tax deductions for the purchases of quality firearms and ammunition so that uh, people especially can exercise their Second Amendment civil rights. Um, we've got one. There's another one, too. There's a couple of Those are the big ones. Oh, also making, uh, including gun owners in the list of civil rights uh, criteria. So along with uh, age, nice. race, sex, you know, pregnancy status, and all the other things they have, uh, yeah, and also ideology. So yeah, so gun o- we want to make gun ownership a civil right uh, under the civil rights laws, prosecutable by prosecutable by anybody who violates uh, Second Amendment civil rights. So that's what we do. So yeah, I'll send them all to you. Wow, yeah. wow, that's awesome. Yes, yeah, I would it, love it is. To see those. Once we get all the, the we get all, all the DC Project folks uh, and all the other the, the gun groups out there to start looking at our, our gun legislation uh, and saying, hey, we can lobby for this. <laughs> so a bunch of folks are in Washington, mm-hmm. but you know DC. I love. It. Are you DC Project? Are you involved with them? Because they're a great group. I am. I yeah, am. But... I'm the uh, actually. Yeah, I am. <laughs> okay, good. Well, if I if I may offer one suggestion, because we do have tons of legislation here. They say education, not legislation, and I'm like, uh, can we have both? <laughs> Can we have education and legislation, please? Because of that yes, legislation. Yes, it needs to be good legislation, not just these stupid things that they're throwing out there simply because they can. Um, that was one of our talking points earlier is um, huh. they keep wanting to create new laws, new laws, new laws. But guess what? And this usually happens, you know, after a mass killing event or something like that. But one of our points is, um, are there not already laws on the books that say killing people is wrong, killing people mm-hmm. is illegal? Don't be doing that. And yet, it's still happening. So, to me, that's a no-brainer that slapping more laws on good law-abiding citizens is not doing any good. Because last I checked, criminals are criminals because they don't obey the laws. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's stupid. It's redundant. Why would you keep penalizing law-abiding citizens who want to do the right thing, who want to follow the laws, but all they're doing is strapping us down and hamstringing us? So when these episodes happen, we're stuck. We can't do anything because we're trying to be good law-abiding citizens. Stop tying our hands and allow us to do what we train to do, and that's to protect ourselves and the ones we love. That's mm-hmm. all we're asking, you know. And, and um, if for those who don't like firearms, don't like guns, that's okay. I respect your opinion, 
and I respect your ability to have that opinion. If you don't like guns, then don't own one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's that simple. But your my rights don't end where your feelings begin. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's a bumper sticker. Like bumper sticker alert. <laughs> bumper sticker alert. That was a classic. You know, my rights don't end where your feelings right? begin. I'm going to start saying that. They I'm don't. stealing that. That's good. That's very good. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah we've, uh... like. Oh, no. Listen, you come up with these, these great things. I got to uh, uh, hang on a second here. Let's. What am I looking for? Here we go. No, I love those quick sayings, you know, give, and it's important. To give but, credit where it's due, that's not mine. I, I actually heard that from someone else, and I can't remember who it was. Let's get him on the show. It, it's just that so was good. true. I know, right? Yeah. We yeah. need to get him on the show because that's mm-hmm. a lot. If you look at the big picture, that is mm-hmm. a lot of what's going on now. I feel offended. I feel hurt. I feel that you're doing blah, blah, blah. Well, guess what? The world doesn't operate on feelings, or at least it shouldn't. The world needs to operate on facts. It needs to operate on logic. And guess what? Facts and logic typically don't change. Your feelings do. <laughs> and, but, and you don't legislate oh feelings God. either. You, you know, you can neither legislate feelings nor nor can the government uh, change them. You know, you know, you, you can Correct. be tortured near death, and you, it, it, you know they can't change your feelings because you still have your own willpower. But uh, there was a judge in California, I think we talked about this, who said that uh, you know you, your your ability to carry openly um, is is not valid because because these people have a right to feel safe, and it's like no, they don't. Well, <laughs> they can feel safe or they can not feel safe, but it's not a right. Correct. You know, and it, it, your feelings it, are not a right. Feelings are not rights. They're different. Now, how you feel about something is up to you. But rights are prohibitions on government. So people's feelings and prohibitions on government are totally separate. Although I like to say it's better. Yeah, yeah. Makes perfect sense. Well, if you look at our laws, which I will uh, um, send you, you'll find that most of what we do here is correcting bad law uh, or removing bad oh, law. Oh, nice. So a lot of what nice. we do. So in other words, if we change the background procedure from the whole, you know, Nick's FBI thing to simply providing your, your driver's license or a government ID uh, to someone when you buy a gun. And if you're not on the prohibited list, you get it. That's a removal of a huge entire background system and registration scheme. We do it in about three lines. <laughs> you know, and that, that's what yeah. too. Most, most of our bills are changing like three or four words. You know, a couple of things here. Vaccine product liability. You know, it says the vaccine manufacturers shall not be liable. Well, we just change shall not be to shall be fully. That's it. You do it in two places in law. Yes. And big farmers on the hook for billions of dollars in liability. I mean, that, that's Love how these it. things work. I've got to get you more into the, into, the, into the legal stuff that we do here. I think you're going to find it really fascinating. Yeah, you do. Yeah. Yeah, you do, oh. and I would really like that, very much so. Okay. Well, Pianchi says illegals have driver's licenses. That's another problem. That's, I said, a government ID. Uh, maybe, yeah, maybe we should make a passport. That's, that's probably the most secure thing right now. Um, but, yeah, that's up to the states. Uh, and if, if someone has a fake uh, ID, that is a crime. And if they buy a gun by that, that's the same as a straw purchase. So we do have laws against that kind of thing. But the vast majority of honest law-abiding citizens who don't want their guns registered, uh, this is the best option. If you're not on the prohibited list, you know, and it's up to the government to maintain that list. That's their problem. You know, and if they screw up, uh, but that would take away a lot of uh, um, problems where people have, you know, John Smith. You know, there's probably a John Smith on the prohibited list. Duh. You know, so right. all the John Smiths right. out there that want to buy guns. Right. Yeah, they get they get false uh, they got false bounces on their on their on their gun purchases. Whereas me, Greg Penglos, I'm it. <laughs> Nobody mistakes me for anybody. <laughs> 
So I'm so, so I'm all set. I'm in. I don't get ID fraud because you know you, there's only one me. You can't fake being me. Nobody would want to. So that's another that's another saving grace. All right. So what do you want to talk about this week? <laughs> Enough about me. <laughs> well, we're we're already on a good topic. Actually, I I okay. like. Um, it's, it's been heavy on my mind, uh, especially this past week, just how many hoops we as law-abiding citizens have to jump through just to exercise our rights. And that, that is just baffling to me. I, I just don't understand. And again, you know, when we were saying that there are already laws on the books, so why are we, why when something bad happens, why do they always rush to smack down more law? I, I guess what I, I need is for someone to help me understand that mindset. Help me understand the mindset of this should be allowed and 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 your city is in shambles. It's, it's a crime haven and that. everything else. Yeah, yeah no. I don't, how, how does that work? I don't, I don't understand that. And then those of us oh, I can help you. who want to I have ourselves, yes, yeah, help I... me out with that. Help me. Okay, because what do guns represent? Independence, man. Yeah. Yep, <laughs> I was, was going to say freedom, but it's exactly the same thing. So guns represent freedom yeah. and independence. So if you're a controlling Marxist who doesn't mind killing 100 million people just to get your point across, you know, uh, guns represent guns. I should, let me, actually, I might pull this out right now. Uh, I made this argument a while back. Let me see if I can find it for you here. Something I wrote years and years ago for, for California. Um, it might take me a while to find. <clears throat> I'll do it for next week. Um, but uh, so I don't want to, I don't want to like lose the show pushing the wrong button, <laughs> which I can do uh, rather, <laughs> e- ra- rather easily. So we're not going to do it today. But I wrote something for California. Basically, it was it was about the individual versus the government and how the the government you know fights for uh, control and the individual you know has to fight for freedom and that this battle continues and that uh, the implements the same implement of our freedom. So if you if you to be free, you have to have the implements of your freedom. And a gun is the implement of your freedom. It's, it's, a, it's the most efficient, effective way to, to maintain yourself against a brutal force of home invaders or a rogue government or an invading army or a, a, a looting mob of illegals or anything you want. And, you know, the gun is your best defense. And so you can't be free if you can't have guns. But the people, what it boils down to is the people in government, those that want control, they cannot absolutely control you if you have guns. So what they're really objecting to is freedom. This isn't an argument about guns. Guns are, you know, guns are are metal and plastic and carbon fiber and, you know, gunpowder and igniters and primers and all that kind of stuff, right? Lead, you know, so that's what guns are. So, so by themselves, if you look at the elements, it doesn't have a spirit, doesn't have a soul. Well, maybe some do. Maybe the Winchester seventy-seven does, but that's another story. But you get what I'm saying, right? These are these are these are these are implements. These are implements that we use, you know. Um, and uh, but uh, but what they represent, what they represent is something far far greater. They represent freedom, individuality. They also represent the power of life and death. In other words, the individual. Now, the same. Here's what's really. Here's what gets really ironic. The same people that call abortion a choice, okay, and oh, that, that they, oh. they give women the power of life and death are the same people that yeah. say you can't have a gun because it's dangerous, because you don't, yes. you can't have that much control. It's not your choice. It's our choice whether you have a gun, but it's your choice. You know, a woman's choice over the father and the baby. You know, whether the baby lives and the father, the man becomes a father. You know, so it's it's a How fascinating hypocrisy argument. Yeah, go ahead. Tell me what you think. 
how, it's like, how's that even work? Because, uh, no, duh, I'm, I'm staunchly opposed to abortion and I'm not even going to get into that. No, but, but it's, but it's a whole, example. The whole yeah. argument that it's my body, my choice, I can kill this human being and you don't have any say in it, but I can't have a firearm to protect my human beings. How, how's that? I, I, it just, just is mind boggling to me. Um, the more involved I become in the firearms community and with training and meeting people and learning stuff, the more the opposing view is just absolutely convoluted and confusing to me. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I've, there was, yeah, go ahead. I was reading a, I was reading a post on an app on my phone and um, the, the argument was made again that uh, my body, my choice. Mm-hmm. And if I want to abort my baby, who are you to say I can't blah, blah, blah. But the baby, the, I, I think that, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, yeah, I know the baby might have a little something to say about that. But the biggest argument I have for that is the mm-hmm. times we're living in right now, there are so many options for birth control, so many yeah. different options out there. And there's this beautiful thing that's called abstinence. Oh my gosh, what a concept. Mm-hmm. And there are ways to avoid creating a, quote, unwanted child. So your body, your choice, you're right. Up until you decide to get into bed with that guy and create that new human, yeah, you're right, you have a choice. But once there's a third party involved, Mm -hmm. then no, it's not just your body, your choice, because there's a third person involved now. Isn't it interesting they use the same words, birth control and gun control? I never thought about that until just now. Yeah. Whoa. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I never yeah. thought about see, that either. You know, see, the thing said, this shows all about revelations. So we, we are constantly uh, having new thoughts and, and, and interesting thoughts. Yeah. I'll send you the California thing, send you the gun laws. Uh, Pianchi has a request. For, he wants to find out what's going on in gun world. So I better, better not monopolize anymore. But, uh, uh, it, but it is the psychology. And, and I, I can give you a great argument. Uh, on why gun control is automatically unconstitutional. I won't do that now. Uh, maybe next week or, or I talk to you off the air because it's something you can use all the okay, time. Okay, you need um, to take notes because you keep saying maybe next week. So you need to take notes so we can talk about this next week. Don't you take you notes? you get me all excited about topics. Don't you, don't, That's don't not you my take job. notes? That's your job. That's, That's my job. That's your job. You're the one who Fine. makes the big bucks. No, I don't. <laughs> if I made the big bucks. You know, I'd, I'd have a plush studio. I'd have a producer. I'd, I'd have like a, a chauffeur and car. I'd, I'd have my airplane by now. So no, you we're going to make the big bucks. For each we're show, gonna, right? What's that? We're going to make the big bucks. You'd, but we're not. You'd fly us in for each show if you. Oh, were that's right. I'll fly you into the studio. Right? For, yeah, for your for your thirty minute report. Yeah, right. That'd be that'd be economical. Yes. You're just trying to get a free flight. You just want to ride on on the Action Radio One private jet. That's what you want. I know. I know exactly. how this works. Exactly. That's you can't all me. I want. It's at the top of my bucket list. You don't <laughs> even know. <laughs> well, I should let you know. Actually, um, in fact, I, I forgot to tell Derek about this too, but he's right here. We do have an event. We have our first Action Radio event, and uh, John's on the line too, so I can tell him about this as well. Uh, January seventh. Uh, at the Imogene Theater here in Milton, Florida. It's about a 300-person theater. It was built in 1912, same year as the Titanic. Hope there's no relation. Anyway, no, uh, it's a beautiful old theater. And so we're going to showcase all our legislation, including gun legislation. We need to have a gun table. Uh, we've got uh, one of our local folks here, uh, Chappie. 
uh, Donnie Chapman, an Air Force veteran, uh, has Chappie Firearms and Technical. Um, was reporting for a while in some of the competitions around here. Um, but I want to get him back on, you know, somewhat regular basis. Anyway, so we have an event, and we're going to showcase all this stuff. So, yeah, now I can't send you a private jet, but if you can find your way down to Florida January 7th, then, uh, you know, come meet all the group. Um, some, hopefully all our reporters will be here. And we'll see, plus some, oh, some major celebrities fun. I'm working on. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting. Well, no one's ever done this. No one's ever had a, a legislation day celebrating or, or showcasing legislation written by regular people. Pianchi's got a bill. Right. Joe's got a bill. Uh, Jonathan uh, has a bill. Um, you might want to write a gun bill. I can teach you. It's easy. Easy peasy. And then we'll change it okay. to education and like legislation. That. Education and legislation. I would like that. Okay, fine. So what do you want to talk about? What's on your list? Um, like I said, <laughs> everything we've been talking about. I didn't have a list today. Um, oh, okay. I've been out of well, I've been out of town all this week for work, so okay. I um I've been kind of my focus has been a little divided, but um, I just things coming to light and and the terrible situation that's going on in the Middle East and just um a, a lot of awakening is going on. Let's put it that way. Um. When one of the things I saw, and I said I wasn't going to get into this, but but I've got to say this: um, some of the images that we've seen of young people tearing down the pictures of missing Israeli citizens. What what is going on in your head? What 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 are you what are you hoping to prove? Why are you doing this? Just it, it to me is just such a a hateful act, such a malicious and evil act. What is going on in your head? What have you been taught? What is what's been pushed into your brain that you feel it necessary to rip down a mother's, a father's, a sister's, a brother's last hope? Why why would you do that? You know what I mean? No, I do, and I and I think the answer is uh, leftism. Uh, if you look at the, uh, you know, people keep accusing, you know, us white guys of white supremacy, but they're, uh, you know, on the right, you know, or conservative, or in my case, anti-federalist, I'm way to the right of conservatives. Um, and so, but people forget that, and they say, well, well, Hitler was a right-wing dictator. No, he wasn't. That's an impossibility because the right-wing, the ultimate right-wing is anarchy, which is no government at all, which is just as bad as tyranny, which is total government. But Hitler was a totalitarian leftist. Nazis are leftists. So the, 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 uh, the political organization, the Nazis that brought about the Holocaust, were leftists. They were ultimate totalitarian dictators. Look at uh, how Russia treated Jews, you know, from the Tsar, which was a, a totalitarian monarchy, um, to, uh, to Lenin and Stalin, um, which are totalitarian communists. It's the same thing. I don't know how Jews fared in Italy under Mussolini, under fascism, but fascism, socialism, to, you know, Nazism, communism, they're all isms of totalitarianism. So, so killing Jews who want to be independent, who want to live free and just be left alone, you know, it's similar in, in a way to gun owners, I think, because, and the people doing this, they're learning of this through their leftist government indoctrination through school. They're learning at their leftist universities. They're being indoctrinated that it's okay to kill people that disagree with you. I mean, ultimately, that's what, uh, that's what the left wants. Not the liberals, but the left, the ultra-left. You know, when Hillary talked about re-education camps, I mean, she just mentioned concentration camps. She just called them re-education, but that's what she wants. She wants all conservatives to go through a gulag so that, we have, we get, so that we're right thinking. 
So this is what it comes to. It's the same stuff. It's the, it's, it's the Holocaust attitude. It's the same thing that caused Jews around the world to be persecuted for, I don't know, several thousand years. Totalitarian governments hate Jews because they put God over, over government. Same thing with Christians. They hate us for the same reason, I think, because we put God over government. Mm-hmm. Our rights come from God. Mm-hmm. They don't come from government. Government can't take them away. The Constitution, the Bill of Rights is not, does not give us rights. And here's something that we need to talk about. The Constitution does not give us rights. It prohibits government from touching them. That's the difference. And people should understand that. I like that. I like yeah. that. I next like next that. bumper sticker. Yes. Yeah, write, write that down. I know, well, you don't right? take notes. I'll take your bumper sticker. <laughs> okay, yeah, forget. You, you, yeah, you, I, I, just, I just came up with that, you know, uh, but uh, yeah. But you don't take notes, you said. <laughs> I know, but it's true. that's your job, dude. Yeah, rights come from God. Well, yeah, actually I do. Well, the, the whole podcast is like a big note, but it's, sometimes it's hard to find some of these things. Yeah, rights come from God, uh, and the Constitution, you know, uh, the Bill of Rights is a prohibition on government. I mean, that's just how it works. Yeah, what do you think? Makes sense? Wow. My, my political... Yeah. Uh, uh, story? Yes, yeah. totally makes sense. Totally okay. makes sense. Mm-hmm. And and um, another thing that uh, I had saw again, I swore I wasn't going to bring this up, but it was just so mind blowing that one professor that uh, they kept showing over and over again, saying that the attack over there was glorious and it was invigorating or some kind mm. of a oh, yeah, adjective. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and I'm just like. You, you slaughtered hundreds of innocent people, and you think that's glorious and invigorating? Oh, my gosh. Oh well, my no, gosh. no. If you're, but, but put yourself in the totalitarian mindset. You know, if you're, if you're in the ultimate control, if that's what you're into. Then the people who can be controlled are good. The people who cannot be controlled, who think differently, are bad. I mean, I see this all the time. There's, all, there's always communists advocating in this country, advocating the death of conservatives. So we just get, if we just kill them, then uh, we'll have a great country. Everything will be fine. No, it won't. It'll be Stalinist Russia. No. Um, I, yeah, I want to bring John on. No, it won't. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I want to bring John in a second because I want to get his opinion on what he was just talking about with the Constitution. But let me ask you a question. I'm going to make, only make his line live now anyway. Um, but what I want to find out from you, Candy, is we talked about this. This is what I did take notes on. Um, there's remarkably low gun ownership in Israel, like 1.5 or 2% I'm hearing. What are these people thinking? You're surrounded by people that are trying to kill by you. By people who hate you, yes. Oh what are God. they thinking? Why aren't they I issuing not, guns? I have should... no idea, and I did not find this out until all this stuff started happening, because if you had asked me before this, Man, I would have swore that Israeli citizens had firearms all over the place. And then you find out that is not the case. And I'm just kind of like, dude, you're surrounded by people who want to wipe you off the map. Mm -hmm. How are you? Even in your own country. (laughs) Yeah. Even in the West Bank and Gaza. You know, you've imported. You've imported your own, uh, it's like suicidal uh, immigration is what I think I'll call it from now on. Ooh, there's another one we can write down. That's what we have now, suicidal immigration. (laughs) Immigration designed to to commit suicide. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, well, it's a great argument for our Second Amendment. Why should we have a Second Amendment? Look at Israel. Man, oh, my gosh. And, and, oh, Okay, well, let me... um, let me bring John on. Like I said, his line live for a second, but I don't know if you knew he was live. I always like to let people know, just in case, because, you know, if you start yelling at your, your family, we're going to hear it. <laughs> I'm just kidding, John. <laughs> so, so, so you're live. So, so let me ask you the constitutional question, because I know you were listening. Um, but the whole base of gun control, it's illegal. And as a cop, 
you know, as a law enforcement person, you swore an oath to protect that. And I know a lot of cops don't believe that because I was briefly in federal law enforcement, you know, with U.S. Customs as they were transitioning to Customs and Border Protection. So I had a little bit of experience with this attitude. But, um, but does that make sense what we're saying, that uh, the Constitution does not give rights? Uh, it prohibits government from touching them. Yeah, absolutely. That's the whole okay. doctrine behind it. But if you look at it in terms of the, what Candy was asking earlier about why people want to take our rights away as soon as there's a mass shooting or something like that, mm-hmm. I agree with your premise, but I think it's a twofold word okay. in the sense that, yes, you're correct. However, we're also fighting a battle with the public. And for generations, ah, now, yeah. we have abandoned our freedoms for the sake of security. And that goes not just for our safety, that goes for our medical, that goes for our food across the board. So now you have generations of people that believe that it's the government's responsibility to take care of us. And you do not have a right to defend yourself in their minds. That's the government's job. Where did that come from? And, and Candy, feel free to talk to John, John to Candy directly. Um, that's, that's, that's a lot of the purpose of this report. That's why I've you know, paired you guys up in this hour. But um, where, where did that come from, that the government is taking care of us? And, or that we can't defend ourselves. That it's, it's almost like it's against the law to defend your life, is what they're really saying. Yeah, sure, but that's I a, agree Well, with it's that. because we've been generations of easy living, no mm-hmm. real conflicts, the government giving you handouts at every turn, and basically coddling and taking care of people. And then you have the medical industry pushing their drugs. So now, mm-hmm. now when you go to the doctor, not you specifically and in general, people go to the doctor, and they expect to be cured overnight, and they expect to be given medication when they walk out the door that's going to solve their problem. Hmm. 75 years ago, that was mom, grandma, the family who took yeah. care of it. Same with self-defense. Same with your food. They were growing their own food. They had communities. They were local suppliers. Now it's all farmed out to other countries, some in our countries, and it all comes on a truck and delivered yeah. in a grocery store. So yeah. the whole China virus thing was a perfect example of that. When that system broke down, what, what kind of chaos did you see behind that? Oh, horrible. People were going nuts over toilet paper, let alone food. Yes, yes, yes. And that was crazy. And it was, it, to me, it was all a mind game, too. It was all a mind game. Like, oh, my God, we're not going to have. I mean, you're, you're, you're worried about where your next meal is going to come from, but your priority is to go and hoard toilet paper? I know where that came from. Wait a I, I'll tell you. I'll, I'll tell you exactly where that came from. That came from Venezuela, uh, because when Venezuela went communist, uh, they had shortages. I mean, they were eating their pets. I mean, they ate the zoo animals. I mean, it's really horrible what happened down there, uh, and they, and everything Aww. became a shortage. And one of the shortages that the news media focused on was toilet paper. So everybody associated a a uh, um, a mandate, a dictatorship. Uh, you know, all the things, are a, clo- a lockdown of society with a shortage of toilet paper. So that's where that, that's where that came from. That's my theory anyway. It's kind of weird, huh? Sure. Talk about well, psychology. Let's, let's take that a step forward. Let's take that sure. a step forward to Israel. That's okay. the dichotomy between the Americans and the Israelis. Israelis believe that it's the state's responsibility to take care of them. Huh. That's yeah, their yeah, and I just I just talked about thousands they don't of years believe of Jewish tradition of being independent. So that, that that kind of flies in the face of uh, uh, of what Jews have always been, which was fiercely independent. What happened to Jews in the world? Well, I think that because especially after the Holocaust, it was society, it was the state that was going to save them. It was the state that took them in. It was the state that they took care of all their needs. And hmm. since then, it's gen- degenerated to such a point where now they believe the state's responsible for their safety. Uh, it, it's prevalent. Uh, so back in September. Um, one of uh, 
I can't remember what it was. It was one of their journals or one of their uh, news organizations. Someone says the Israelis should carry guns to on Yom, Yom Kippur to the synagogues. And the opposition leader came out and said, that's not only ridiculous, it's not a security policy, but it's a dangerous populism. So they came out dangerous flat populism? and arming themselves. That's, that was yeah. Candy, what do you know about this? Not nothing. I'm I'm learning this too, but wow. What? So why? <laughs> so 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 I'll, I'll give you my counter argument in a minute. But what 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 was the logic of of not having uh, people armed uh, on a holiday, which is when most people are most countries attack their other other. You always attack somebody else on their holiday, and that's just that's just tradition. Um, yeah. Or Sunday morning in December, you know, Pearl Harbor. Um, but where where did that where did this idea come from that somehow in church or in temple or in synagogue uh, you can't carry a gun and can't protect yourself? What's what, because what, the state provides that security. Not to churches, the they locked down the churches, the sec- <laughs> but not during COVID. Well, they locked them all down. But but if the but if the state posts a security guard or a security team at the door of that church, then everyone feels safe. Yeah, they're the first. That's person their shot. responsibility. Yeah, the first one. No, I, I'm not. I'm not arguing the point, but I'm giving you the mindset. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. Well, let's talk about security. But, you know what's funny, right yeah. there? Like, uh-huh. like, there's a key word that he just said. Everyone feels safe. Oh. Feeling safe and actually being safe can be two very different concepts. And so that's, 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 the, that's the mindset now. That's the exact mindset yep, that's now. The mindset People want now. feeling like the state's going to protect them, so they do not have to have that responsibility. They do not have to now, have to face the fact that there's evil in the world, and that evil can reach out and touch them. Yes. Now there's a young lady who is involved in DC Project. She's a teenager, and she actually has testified before Congress. And one of her issues was. Uh, security in the school and she said she ended her phenomenal speech that she did she ended it with the words I don't want to feel safe I want to be safe and I I've held on to that ever since I heard that because it's the truth she's like a little sticker on the front door of the school that says you can't carry here does not make me feel safe. It's the exact opposite. To me, it's a friggin' target saying, here I am, and there's not a blessed thing I can do to stop you from whatever you want to do. This this young lady is amazing, and I was just so impressed. We'll get her on the show. I believe she's only 15 years old. Oh, get her on. She's amazing. Yeah, bring her (laughs) on. No, seriously. Hey, we, we, we've yeah, got a teenage would... reporter on the show. <laughs> so, I mean, young folks are always welcome on the show. But awesome. let's, let's talk about this feeling safe versus being safe, because I think that that's absolutely critical. I mean, that, I made that same argument uh, with that judge in California. Uh, I'll send you both to something I wrote way back when. It was like 15, 20 years ago, maybe now. Um, so I've been doing this a while. Um, but this idea of, of not only do people want to uh, put the trust in the government so they feel safe, they don't want anybody else to have means of their own safety. In other words, they feel safer with a government they think protecting them, which won't, rather than the person next to them who's armed and hopefully openly, openly caring in a place where they can. Uh, they feel more threatened by the person who's there who would save them directly. They're right there, right? 
as opposed to the yeah. government, this mythical yeah. government out there um, that might not and so, that, that probably won't because, you know, you've got to call them, you've got to wait, you know, and even then they don't have to show up, you know, so that's all, that's all perception. That's all psychology. That's all feeling. Yes, it is. Right, folks? It is. And, and I love that you brought that up because here's another one. I've seen it um, a bazillion times now that um, when trouble happens, the police are minutes away. Hmm. But you don't have minutes. No. You have seconds. And, and the, the term uh, first responder for, like, police is actually a misnomer because if I walk over, Greg, and I punch you in the face, guess who your res- first responder is going to be? It's going to be you. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be you. And I Any thought we were friends, too. who is involved, I know, I'm right? Kidding. I'm just kidding. You. <laughs> Did I hurt your feelings? <laughs> oh, no, no, no. No, no you inspired my self-defense instinct. <laughs> I think of myself, there I'm just going to back away far enough to embarrass her. You know, anyway, so you're going to miss. But anyway, but, there you we know, go. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But, but this is, but this is fascinating. Who think, right. But there's a lot of people who think that the police are the first responders for them. But, hun. The last time I checked, it is few and far between that a police officer just happens to be standing right there when that bad guy draws that gun on you and demands your wallet. I, I really don't think that happens. I really don't. So well, your first a, responder a, is you. We have a police officer here, you know, former and now uh, running the, the Women's Gun Academy. We've got to get all your information. To, oh, Firearms Academy, excuse me. Um, John, what do you think? Uh, I think it offends their sensibility. When you see someone... No, I'm curious. No, I think that if people decide not to protect themselves for whatever reason, and they see someone right. doing that for themselves, deep down, they know what's going on. Oh, I see it's what you're no saying. It's no different than if you see, if you see someone doing something you, not, you either are unwilling to do or can't do, automatically there's a little bit of jealousy and a little bit of offending your sensibility. Yeah, just saying gun envy. Gun envy flashed into my head. They've got gun envy. They can't do it themselves, so they don't want anybody else to do it, even though they'd all be safer. Ah, absolutely. This is, and, this is, this uh, is fascinating. But keyword there, a lot of the people, it's not that they can't do it. It's that they won't do it. Well, yeah, but if you're emotionally predisposed to uh, to not defend yourself, if you've never had to defend yourself, if you've never been, a, you know, if you're not raised with the idea that you're an independent person, you know, that you're that you're a child of God, that you're special, that you're individual, that there hasn't been one of you, you know, since, and there won't be one of you exactly again, you know, people, I don't think they, they the group think, I'm just one person, why, you know, I'm not, I'm not that valuable. It's almost like a dehumanizing if people won't defend themselves or protect yeah. themselves. They won't even pick up the impulse yeah. that will save them. It's like, you sure, know, the Mad Men Awards. Oh, it's, yeah, that, that's like, I was going to say, I talk about that in my classes, too. Oh, let's hear from both of you time. on it, then. John, you go first. Yeah, John, tell me. Sure, the, the way we phrase that, though, is if you become a victim, it's not what you're going to lose. It's who's going to lose you. Hmm. And that puts Ooh, a different perspective like on it. It's easy to say that I'm going to go down in a fight. If it happens, mm-hmm. it happens. But the truth is, if I go down in a fight, my two kids don't grow up with a dad. Mm-hmm. My wife doesn't have a husband to help her and support her. So there's a bigger picture involved there. So the, the, the thought process of, okay, if I go down, I don't have to worry about it because it's not a big deal. I'm just one person. That's mm-hmm. selfish. And you can't yeah. look at it that way. I you should be looking in terms of what's, who's going to lose you. Yeah, that's a really good point. Ooh, I like okay. that. I like yeah. that. 
And mine is, is similar to that, though not nearly as eloquent. I'm just letting you know I am going to steal that because that was awesome. <laughs> um, hey, listen, there's no pride of ownership here. You know, we steal everything from everyone because right, no, no one know, person has yeah, all the good totally ideas. Yeah, that's, that's, very, that's very typical <laughs> here. Well, you get bright people together, and this is what happens. We, we brainstorm, we come up with stuff. So, yeah. Well, in mine, when I deal with my ladies, again, uh, very similar to what you do, I personalize it and I remind them that the Lord created all of them and they are cherished apples of his eye. And none of them, not a single person, but in our case, not a single woman deserves to be abused, deserves to be victimized. You don't deserve this. You are a child of the king. So you need to refuse to accept that type of treatment and refuse to be a victim. Refuse to have that victim mentality. Refuse to have the mentality of I can't do anything because there's no man around to protect me. You don't need a man around to protect you. You can protect yourself. And I don't care if you're five foot tall and and weigh 98 pounds, there are ways for you to protect yourself. The equalizer. If you are (laughs) anti-firearms, yeah, if you're anti-firearms, there are other things that you can do or you can use. As you just said, for us women across the board, let's be honest, a firearm is the great equalizer. It just is with training and practice a woman carrying a firearm that levels the playing field but you've got to have that training and you've got to have the practice time in you are not going to pull a firearm from the depth of your (laughs) abyss of a purse that you you haven't used haven't picked up and who knows how long and instantaneously become Jane Wick it doesn't work that way Gene you've Wick. got to train and you've got to practice. <laughs> is, that a, is that a John Wick reference? Those, you those, think? <laughs> those films with such such great writing ability and, and, and scintillating dialogue. Hey, I love Keanu Reeves, so yeah. Well that's different. I do. I love Now Keanu I understand. Reeves. Okay, fine. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Now if Jennifer Garner were in the films, that'd be different, but uh, you know, we all have our own. All right. Um No, actually for... I love her too, man. She's okay. awesome, too. <laughs> she is awesome. But I'm going to have dinner hey, with her. Can I? <laughs> That's a different story. Anyway. Um, can I make one more point? Can I make one more point on the feeling safe? No, go ahead. So real time. Real time and as it relates to Israel. Mm-hmm. So prior to this event, their gun controls were very, very strict. You were limited to 50 rounds total, and they were heavily regulated. Wow. Since Insane. that event, they've loosened their restrictions, and they're making a big deal how it's easier to get a gun. But their idea of loosening a restriction is – Instead of an in-person meeting, it's over a phone. And now they're going to give you 100 rounds instead of 50. For Ooh. how long? 100 rounds for the year or 100 rounds ever? 100 rounds, 100 rounds total. And as you use them, you can only replace them after you use them. So if you oh were to use gosh. 25 rounds at the range, which is heavily regulated, then you're allowed to replace those 25 rounds. So it's 100 rounds in your possession at any time. So that, can I go to the range, feel good. shoot 100 rounds? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, that is yeah. the government coming in to make you feel good, like they're doing right. something, yeah. which truly in this kind of a catastrophic event has not as much bearing or help to you. 
but people are embracing it. One, because they're giving them a little bit. They're giving them breadcrumb to make them feel safe so they can get back that control. But they don't see. They don't wow. have that independent spirit. They, you know, it, it's it's fascinating, and it makes sense in this country too because there's a lot of liberal Jews, you know, that are advocate that don't support Israel. That, you know, that uh, support gun control, that support Democrats taking away our rights. You know, and you think of all the people who've been persecuted through all the centuries. You know, you think the Jews would be some of the strongest proponents of the Constitution, of the Bill of Rights, of a limited government. You know, of all these things, and it's just not true. So it, it's kind of suicidal in a way. It's, 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 uh, if not mentally and emotionally, um, because, uh, you know, well, do you find that, well, let's say Christians, let's, let's take an, a, a different example here. The, the folks that are the strongest proponents of individual rights in this country, the ones that say, you know, our rights come from God are usually Christian and usually strong Christians at that. Not, uh, I go to church once a year and, and forget it the rest of the time, but, uh, you know, strong believing practicing Christians, um, know this. Now, do you find a whole lot of victim mentality in Christians, for example? Yes. You do. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Absolutely. Yep. Okay. Yep. So, Surprise. That's why I asked the question. The vast majority of churches won't embrace a safety or security plan. Huh. That Correct. offends their sensibilities. But I also think it's a fundamental misunderstanding and misinterpretation of the Bible. Okay. So you go to turn the other cheek. Well, historically, that's been, you know, if someone attacks you, you're not supposed to fight back. That's the way they interpret that. But the truth is that at the time in the context, it was more of an insult. If someone insults you, then you let it go. As right. opposed to someone physically attacks you, you, you're not supposed to defend yourself. The bigger one, though, is thou shalt not kill. Okay. Yeah. Good That's point. That's been misinterpreted forever because uh-huh. the, the true interpretation of that is that shall, thou shalt not do murder. There's a Correct. big difference between doing murder and killing people. Mm-hmm. You don't Correct. say you murdered the fly. You killed the fly. Mm-hmm. Right? So. Yep. That's the bigger misunderstanding as well. There's, there's plenty of um, evidence, especially in the Old Testament, of justified killing, justified wars. They tend to ignore the Old Testament and then embrace the New Testament and yeah, how about apply that? that to society today. Well, if, so, yeah, if you, it's, it's a big problem. Yeah, but if you turn the other cheek, uh, you've only got that other one. That's something you only do once. Again, people forget you only have two cheeks, right? So if you turn the other cheek, after that you're done. You, you, you fulfill your obligation spiritually. Uh, you know, it's a whole different thing. People never think of that either. It's really kind of interesting. Sure. Yeah. Hmm. Pianki's on the line. He's got a bunch of uh, comments he's put here, which unfortunately I haven't gotten to. I, I, but I, I just love our discussions. Um, do you guys have an argument for, for caring in church? Because I have one I want to give you, but I want to hear yours first, just so I don't, I don't prejudice our debate here. Um, I carry in church all the time. Because? Because I'm my own presenter. I'm okay, all right. So that makes it, all right. So, so, so that's 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 a similar I'm, argument. Okay, all right, John. I'm I'm not of the belief that. Um, oh, I know that the Lord will protect me, but I'm also of the belief that you know when the Lord sent manna down from heaven to feed the people, He did expect you to bend over and pick it up off the ground. Yeah. So I have to do my part. The Lord will protect me. I have no I have no problem believing that. I totally believe that. But there's something he expects me to do on my own. Well yeah, I mean he and sent I'm us okay Sam Colt. He sent us Mr. Smith and Mr. Wesson. You know, he sent us all these great people. What more do you I love want? it? <laughs> you know. Anyway, John, how do you how do you do that? How do you talk about caring in church? Well, so it's it's part of free will. The God 
will protect you, but he's giving you the tools to protect yourself. That's the protection. Right. So he's giving you the ability to, to do that on your own. So it's that's the old saying, you know, the, uh, Lord helps those who help themselves. Yep. Right. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I always carry in church, but we're back to when are they going to attack and what are they looking for? Generally speaking, they're looking for soft targets. Mm-hmm. Most every church is a soft target. There are very few churches Correct. that provide their own security, let alone have that security trained. And that's a totally different topic. Um, oh, yeah. And, write that down because I apparently don't write down enough notes according to Candy. So, <laughs> 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 well, isn't that your job? No, so it's, no, it's, it's not my job. Right? It's not her job. Why do you think I have 12 reporters? I mean, I, I can't keep track of everything we think about. This is this show's too huge. I'm just the I'm just the ideas guy. Don't you know? Don't mind me. Um, all right, here's here's an idea for both of you. Candy <laughs> your hoot. I really, this is this is a this is one of my favorite hours of the week. I love talking to both of you. All right, so here's what I say, and and of course you can steal it. This is why I come up with this stuff. That uh, my first question to people is, well, where do our rights come from? Oh, they come from God. Yeah, everybody knows that, right? Well, where well, uh, what's you know, God expects us to defend ourselves, as you said. Well, what's God's house? Church, right? So if if we yeah. have God-given rights, what better way to honor God and honor our rights than carrying in church, which is God's house? Ooh, how's that? Ooh. Ooh. Candy's always said. Johnny, can you I know, that? right? I'm like, yeah. Well, if, if, you know, so, so in fact, caring in church is actually honoring God and, and thanking God for, for the right to defend ourselves and the implements to defend ourselves for sending us Sam Colt, Mr. Smith, Mr. Wood, <laughs> some of the other folks out there, you know, Mr. Glock. <laughs> yeah. You know, but, but to me, it's a valid argument. It's an exercise of our rights. It's our God-given rights. So what better place to exercise our God-given rights than the place where we talk about God the most? Hopefully, church. Just a thought. Yeah, it makes yeah, sense. I, Absolutely. I stumped the panel. That's yeah. so fun. No, yeah. okay. no the counter-argument would be, though, that it's God's house and nothing bad will happen here. That's their mentality. And yeah. that's a problem. You're right. Agreed. Well, I think we can and defeat that's that. that's the problem. Well, the evidence right. is that things do bad, bad things do happen in church. So, you know, we can, we can kind of toss that argument. Um, Pianchi, you got a bunch of points. Feel free. Join the conversation. Well, see, the thing that really irks me, you've got these gun control advocates that are targeting conservative justices on the Supreme Court. And here's the thing. The Supreme Court does not make laws. And their opinions don't have to be followed. And I get sick and tired every time I look around. You got these gun control advocates trying to convince what we consider as conservative justices to come over to their side. And groups need to get involved with writing laws and also involved with amending the Constitution to make sure that it's more specific in order to protect your Second Amendment rights. And rather than what we find going on now is people sit back, whine, and complain. And, you know, Greg, you know you've heard me say several times, I think that there should be a, a, a Supreme Court judge appointed by every state, have 50 of them. That way this idea of presidents coming and going to put judges on the bench that will persuade a certain position. That's ridiculous. That each state appoint one judge, come up with a way to break a tie, either flip the coin or whatever, 
And that way you take away that argument and that power of play that we see going on today. So. Okay, panel, what, uh, and then I'll tell you what I think. Candy, I think, had a, had a, a distraction. Feel free to mute yourselves if, if uh, like, noises happen. That way it doesn't get on the show. Yeah, sorry about that. Don't, no, don't be sorry because um. stuff happens all the time. I'm just saying just mute yourself if you have something that you have to do for a while. We'll, we'll get you caught up again. Did you hear Pianchi's argument? I did, and I agree with him because okay. um, we, we've, like he said, he's got these gun control advocates that come in and they're boohooing and sob-sobbing and, oh, the kids, and, oh, they're so dangerous, and then, then, then. And again, we're back to what we were talking about at the top of the hour. Feelings get involved as opposed to facts. And that just skews everything. I, I, I wish there was a way that we could just ban the feelings and just get to the facts. What, 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 what facts are you bringing to the table? I, I don't care about your tears. I don't care about your whining. What facts are you bringing to the table? When our side comes to the table, we bring the fact that a concealed carry holder is far more likely to stop an event because they're right there. They are the first responder, far more likely to stop an event. But you don't hear about that because that doesn't sell papers. That doesn't get clicked. You don't hear about that, but it is the truth. Nothing will stop a bad guy with a gun except a good guy with a gun. It, it, it's plain and simple. So, so you're favoring 50 Supreme Court judges, one from each state. <laughs> oh, man, that, that was, wow. That was Bianchi's question. That's, <laughs> that's the the, that's the, that is the question on the table at this time, dear citizen mm-hmm. legislature. Okay. All right. Um, so you said you favor that, John. What's your what's your? Uh, I'm more of a fan of term limits, less than okay. having 50 Supreme Court justices. You want term limits for? Yeah, yeah. There's some accountability at, at least. Yeah, for the yeah for term all judges, but more for the Supreme Court as well. How long? How long but, is term? Uh, oh, that's a good question. That I that I haven't thought through. Okay. I think the, Write it down the, for next week because you know the host thing... is is totally derelict on that kind of stuff. Sure. <laughs> You know the thing I think I'm we so should have is the state exercising their rights. Yeah, I think the okay, state. Just, you know, uh, the justice. Hold, hold, hold on, hold on, everybody. We're going to. It's going to get a really. Let's go to John. I want him to finish this comment, then Candy, then Pianchi. So, John, uh, term limits for judges. Let's get your your take on that, and then we'll we'll, we'll uh, maintain order <laughs> if I can. Yeah, I, term limits. I think the bigger solution is for the states and the individuals to say, "Look, the Supreme Court's wrong. We're not going to follow their decision." They're, they're supposed to be a separate, a co-equal branch, not the mm-hmm. overarching branch that controls everybody. So if people okay. understood that and our states understood that, they would say, look, this, this law or this decision is unconstitutional on its face. We're not going to follow yep. it. Sorry. Yep. No. No, I agree. With you. I'm 100% with you there. So, so what is the term uh, limit in the Constitution already? That I don't know. For Good behavior. Well, yep. Good behavior. We already have term limits. Yeah. What we don't have is a Congress that will well, remove yeah, them for bad behavior. It's not a lifetime appointment. This is another misnomer. It's one of the great myths out there. Supreme Court judges, and I say judge for a reason. I'm not, I'm not mistaking, you know, it's like, well, gee, Greg, you're ignorant. They're justices. No. The Constitution, Article 3, says judges. That's why I say it. So they are judges. They are not better. They are not worse. They are simply judges on the Supreme Court. But they're not justices. They don't hand out justice. Candy. 
sorry okay. about that. I got distracted by something. Uh, that happens. Um, I missed I what do you too. were saying. I got distracted by something. Yeah. I'm sorry. Okay. Well, let's go to Pianchi, and then I'll tell you what I think about the 50 Supreme Court uh, judge idea. Well, Pianchi? that is one of the topics. That is one of the discussions and proposals with Convention of States mm-hmm. Amendment that's on the table, and it would be discussed more. Mm-hmm. According to the Constitution, the courts have the least power. There's no equal power. They have the least power. Mm-hmm. And also, courts don't make laws. They give opinions based on an argument between two or more two or more groups, two or more, mm-hmm. uh, not groups, but the argument between two or more people, two or more sources. Mm-hmm. And states don't have to listen to them. That's why right. they come up with these consent decrees. A court, a state does not have to listen to a court decision. I got background noise. Whoever is making noise, feel free to mute yourself just for a second. Sounds like paper shuffling. I could mute you all. That would take care of it, but I don't want to do that. <laughs> there we go. I think we found it. All right. So here's my feeling on that. Uh, to me, it would become another legislature. Uh, I think Pianchi's proposal is that the, uh, the state legislators appoint the, the judge from their state. Uh, that would quickly become what happened to the uh, state legislators appointing the senator from their state. The left would scream for democracy. And what you'd have is a second legislature, every bit as bad and, and, and more powerful than the first legislature, the Congress. It would be unconstitutional. You'd have to amend the Constitution to do it. I'm not in favor of it at all. What I'm in favor of is more what John's talking about, except that they already have that power. You don't have to have a 10-year uh, term limit, although, I, sorry, I'm sorry, that was my, that was what I would I would go 10 years. So you're on the court for 10 years, and, and that's it. Then you appoint somebody else. You know, you would have turnover. Uh, and if you do 10 years, it wouldn't be dependent on the elections as much. Uh, I think there'd be a different cycle. People wouldn't be waiting to retire or, or leaving early, you know, to make room for the, the, the next younger liberal or conservative. But uh, the biggest thing is what John said, is that uh, the states do not have to uh, honor opinions by the court um, that are illegal. And so many things will come out of the court from Roe v. Wade to, uh, you know, Hobby Lobby to a bunch of other things that they do to declaring CO2 a pollutant. That's all illegal. That's all unconstitutional, as Pianchi says, because we've talked about it. They can't make policy. They can't make law. They can't make regulation. All they, now, they can make rulings. They can make a ruling usually affecting government uh, on a policy of government. That's what they are, a check on government more than anything else. So when New York came out with this unconstitutional gun ban uh, or, on this, or this ridiculous proposition that's been circulating around, well, the Second Amendment only applies at home. Really? What critique? Does that apply at home, too? No. <laughs> you know, rights, rights are not restricted to your home. So that's what the Supreme Court can offer an opinion on that. And then it's up to the state legislatures and the Congress to, to write the appropriate legislation. But the Supreme Court cannot impose a policy on anybody except the people that are parties to the case and, uh, and on government with, uh, you know, injunctions, things like that. They cannot rule a law unconstitutional. All they can do is offer an opinion that is unconstitutional and find in favor of one of the parties in the case. That they can do. It's up to Congress to make a law, to declare a law unconstitutional or repeal it. And so this is, this is a big problem. The, the Supreme Court has way too much power. Nobody knows what they really do because they don't read Article 3. It's very simple. Um, so the term limit, the real term limit, would be for Congress to start doing, to get off their sorry butts and do what they're supposed to do, uh, which is to, to remove judges when they issue uh, ridiculous unconstitutional opinions. And then, as John said, it's up to the states to ignore opinions that don't exist. Uh, because they're illegal. Roe v. Wade is a perfect example. Roe v. Wade was an unconstitutional decision. They made things up. You know, they denied the rights of, of the, the, the baby in, you know, in favor of other. They said, they said it was health care, the number of rights, whatever it was. They came up with an entire policy governing abortion for the, for the nation. They can't do that. 
every in this country could have easily said pound sand. We're going to make our own laws, thank you very much. A, it's not in the Constitution covering health. Okay? They have no jurisdiction, first of all. And secondly, the decision they came up with is, is, a, is a policy for the nation. They can't do that either. So any state was free to do that, and yet not one state did. So, I mean, Pianca and I have talked about this. I'm curious. Let's get uh, Candy and John's opinion. Candy, why do you think not one single state, and, and this goes for gun control too, which is obviously unconstitutional as well. We can take the Clinton gun ban. Blatantly unconstitutional. Not a single state in this country had to uh, go forward. But I don't know one state that came forward and said, this is unconstitutional. We're not going to enforce this. A couple of county sheriffs did. But, but the states have some kind of a fear of going against something they know is wrong and unconstitutional. It's like the people that deny their self-defense rights and want to do it from other people. They deny the fact that they can challenge Supreme Court decisions or laws out of Congress, and they don't do it. Candy, what do you think? Um, I agree with that, and I think it's because fear. I think it's okay. because of fear. Um, of what? We have um, reper- repercussions, either real or imagined, because whether we want to admit it or not, social media is powerful, mm. powerful. And you get in, well, let's look at what happened with the uh, hospital bombing uh, recently. It was immediately sent out that Israel did that. And we come to find out it was totally wrong. It was totally baseless. So where yeah, did that video. even come from? <laughs> I got the video but, on, our, on our special investigations page, yeah, of, of the missile going right back down again. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. But the damage was already done. Mm-hmm. By the time we figured out that Israel hadn't done it and it, it had been revealed how it actually happened, the mm-hmm. damage had already been started. So a lot of people look at it that way because social media, it's the Internet. Once it's out there, it's out there forever. And I think a lot of people are intimidated by that. And, and the fact that things go so quickly nowadays. And fact-checking, that's a cool thing, but that comes later down the line. We don't bother to check this, these things out initially and find out, is this true? Is that really what was said? Did that really happen the way you said it did? So I think people are, and people are, and states are afraid of the what if. If we do go forward with this, no one stands behind us. Well, what if we find out we're standing alone? Well, let's talk about the, 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 the unconstitutional gun ban. What was the risk to the states, to the governors, to the state legislators? They said pound sand. We're not going to honor this. Gun owners can uh, buy anything they want. They can buy 20-year-old magazines. We don't care. That's unconstitutional. You can't touch that. What was the danger from the Supreme Court? The Supreme Court doesn't have a police force. They can't send out the Department of Justice. And I, I can't see Bill Clinton arresting a bunch of governors in independent states. So what is, what is the fear? What is the Supreme Court? What is, what, what is Congress going to do with their unconstitutional gun ban if a state says, you know, screw you. I'm not going to honor this. You can't do that. What's the fear? There's two problems. Okay, go ahead, John. There's two problems. Okay. One is half, half the states want it, so they agree with it. You're never going to get a fight out of them. Two, I think it's miseducation or uneducated people in our government and in society in general. We've always been told or heard that the Supreme Court is the supreme law of the land. Hmm. Their decisions are binding on the country. So that's when they true. make those stupid decisions, <laughs> I, I yeah. agree that it's not true, but that's the prevalent thought in society. Yeah. Right. The risk to the state and to the governors and everything else is it's a fundamental lack of courage. And we see that across the board, yeah. especially in our elected leaders. It takes yeah. courage to stand up and do the right thing. Very yeah. few people have that kind of courage. 
Now, we courage do. can be contagious. <laughs> Everybody on the show I does. Agree. No, I agree. Yeah, but, but courage can yeah. be contagious. But someone's yeah. got to start. And yeah. the fact that these people are politicians by nature, and they're more worried about fundraising and being elected and being liked or being loved, because most of them are narcissists anyway, they're not going to have the courage to stand up to the majority of society. So we're like lacking courage in our society, <laughs> lacking courage in our legislators. If I, yes, if I yeah, can yeah, put yeah. a point out there. Oh, please do. Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Pianki. they raising funds for campaigns for citizens who are giving their powers away to these politicians. Yeah, absolutely. Politicians are never going to vote term limits. That's one thing McCarthy said I can agree with. It's going to take a constitutional amendment. Another thing. These agencies, the FBI has no business coming in knocking at your door. IRS has no business coming knocking at your door unless they check in with the sheriff who has territorial jurisdiction because they was voted in by the people. Now, as you were talking earlier, you got rights, but you can give up those rights. A parent can denounce their citizenship, but they cannot denounce the citizenship of their underage child. Mm-hmm. No, it, 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 you're making a huge point. Let's let's go back to talking about rights. You know, you can you you don't have to exercise your constitutional rights, but what you can't do is take somebody else's rights away. And I think uh, I think what John was saying. So I think John, you missed my compliment. I really like having you on the show. I mean, you make some really good points, and you're fearless. You know, and 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 Candy's fearless too, and and Pianchi's fearless. But there's a really good quality of the folks that that have come to this show is that you're not afraid. To, you're pretty much not afraid to say anything, um, which is good. But uh, I also, but I disagree with term limits. We already have term limits. What we need is a better educated population. We need to take the money out. I would separate parties from uh, from legislature. So you can't belong to a party uh, if you're running for office or if you're in office, because people end up representing the party, uh, not the uh, not the, the constituents that voted them. I want to change the subject a little bit since you're both hanging over for the second for the third hour, which is great because I don't have anything else going on. Uh, the title of the show today. <laughs> no, feel free to stick around. I love when this happens. Don't worry about it. This is good. Uh, the title I picked was Grassroots Action for Speaker Jim Jordan Proves Action Radio Works. Now, that's a real contraction of a very long thought. And the thought is, that came to me um, last night and this morning, I'm watching news, and I heard a few reports that said grassroots pressure has kept the speakership of Jim Jordan alive. Because this is, this is deep state versus you know, Americans you know, and America first. Th- this is the battle right here. Because for, for years, you know, the, uh, the deep state didn't care if the House was Republican as long as they had a speaker who would control them who wasn't. John Boehner, Kevin McDeepstate, as I call him, um, Paul Ryan, you know, and all these other folks. So as long as they have a speaker that's, that's a rhino, that's, or as we call them, transgender Democrats, you know, as long you can use that, by the way, too. As, as long as there's a speaker that will control and make sure that nothing conservative, Republican, or good happens with the Republican Congress, they don't care what the majority is because they still control. And so, but what happened was over the last little while, Charlie Kirk, Steve Bannon, and some other folks have been saying, call your congressperson, call the 20, you know, holdouts, call these, these rhino, un-American, you know, unconstitutional Marxists, well, whatever they said to call. But anyway, the point was they did, people did, in huge numbers. And Jim Jordan had lost he had lost the speakership yesterday, you know, and the votes were increasing against him. And now all of a sudden he's back running again today. That was all grassroots pressure. So if people with simple phone calls can change a vote in the House of Representatives for speaker, think what they can do when they actually send in the bills to bills that they want in the same numbers that people are calling in now uh, to, change, to get Jim Jordan a speaker. If Jim Jordan becomes speaker, it's only because enough people called in. 
And the same thing happened with the Disinformation Bureau and other things. So the, the, the example that action radio can work, that people in large numbers, it has to be large numbers because we've got to be bigger than the money coming in from big pharma, big tech, and all those people. It's, it's a huge amount of dollars. But there's, if, if, if enough people send in enough comments that the, the, the elected official, as John said, they're worried about their reelection, they will pass citizen legislation. And I think this proves it. So let's go around the panel and see what you think. I'm going to start with Pianchi because he's been with me the longest here well, on the show. You know, you know I'm a convention state volunteer. Mm-hmm. And awesome. we already have a – they already have and utilize an action, COS action. Give me an example. Here in the state of Louisiana, we have about 34, close to 40,000 members. And just this past legislation uh, session, uh, those members that was pro a bill that would prevent the gender reassignment and alteration of a child under 18 without parental permission, that was passed because those 34,000 members called their legislature and said this is what we want mm-hmm. and then they turned around and overruled the governor's veto <laughs> so you have to have those type of infrastructure uh-huh. in order to get things done well see this is where say that what we need but that's what you have to have because it works no. and it's going on i'm sorry i'm just too excited to speak because i agree with you completely uh, what i'm hoping to do is work with uh convention of states volunteers and turning point volunteers and steve bannon's volunteers and any organ even heritage you know much as they uh sit on their butts and do nothing um but there's a lot of organizations that are out there uh, even patriot academy where where brianna goes that's a that's a young person citizen legislature they write you know mock legislation but we write rural legislation because we want ours passed but if all these groups – see, we're the, we're the ideas factory. That's what Matt Gates calls us. And he, he's called Action Radio that when, when he used to be on the show back 2017, 2018. Uh, and so that's what I think our best use is, is to come up with legislation and ideas that nobody else has uh, and craft them in such a way that they're so simple and so easy to understand that anybody can advocate for them. But we don't have an army of people here. You know, so if Convention of States wants to uh, uh, adopt our bills and even make it part of their agenda, fine with me. You know, I have no pride of authorship, ownership. You know, the more people who want to help, the better. But we need these organizations to send in huge numbers of, of just the bill link to media and government. And that's how it works. You know, instead of just making a phone call, you actually have the bill in your possession. You've read it. You understand it. And when they try and come up with something totally different and call it the same thing, they'll say, no, wait a minute. We, are, we sent you this bill, not that bill. That's another reason that we go to the people in the media first and then send the bills to Congress and the state legislatures and local governments. Candy, what do you think? I think it's a great idea. Um, I think that there is power in numbers, mm-hmm. but like you said, you, you've got to have that that um, that body in place for this to be successful. Because, like you said, we don't have the numbers sitting here on this particular call. We don't have the numbers. Mm-hmm. But if we were to uh, combine our resources and get the call out there, I'm pretty sure we could get the numbers. We mm-hmm. start making some differences because the numbers they they put pressure on them to do the right thing to do what people really want done. Yeah, Pianchi, if you want to get uh, Convention of States coordinator in uh, in Missouri um, to come on the show, that's fine with me. That'd be great. We could talk about that, and maybe uh, uh, some folks would they would adapt adopt you know, some of the legislation that we've written that they could advocate. That'd be fabulous. It, it doesn't have to be all the well, conventions. I'm- uh-huh. I'm sending Candy an email and John 
and we want to schedule to get someone in, I think, Candace in Texas. Texas is already signed on to the amendment. And somebody can come by and talk to your members and inform your members on the powers that they already have. And uh, some of your uh, write-your-own-laws ideas have showed up in about in in proposals that uh, people put on the table. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, that's bills got to be done. Yeah, and send them our bills because we actually have worked out the details, titles, section, and we do all that stuff. And I don't think Candy's in Texas, though, so she may want to come in on that. Yeah, I'm in Ohio. I was going to say <laughs> yeah, that I'm in Ohio. So. Yeah. And, and at this point, guys, I'm going to bid you adieu because I have an appointment at 1030, so I've got to okay. skedaddle. But it's well, been thanks. fun as always, and I'll see you guys next week. Yeah, thanks for sticking around. It was great to have you here. Yeah. Be I safe. get hooked in. I I think I'm only going to be on here a half hour, and then I get hooked in. <laughs> well, no, I mean, if you have, if you have to, leave, I mean, half an hour is what we scheduled. But uh, since uh, I've got another gun report right after you by design, you know, this is this is kind of uh, this is why I like doing it because you only you're the only two gun reports, so you might as well be on at the same time so you can talk. You know, so stick around when you can, and if you have to leave early, that's okay. You know, I'm only asking no, half an hour after that. After that, whatever. <laughs> it just it just gets interesting. Yeah. Awesome. All right. You guys have a great weekend, and y'all be safe. Thanks, Kenny. All right. So let me let me get John's opinion on this. The, just the idea of, of citizen action, um, and the fact that we do write legislation, and that the, the power of people. I don't think people realize how powerful they are. You know, Pianki knows with the Convention of States with the the numbers, and I, I I'll tell you, I oppose the Convention of States on the on the ground that it's going to open up to. Uh, and this is a constant disagreement that Pianki and I have on this. I am I am much more concerned that it's going to open up um, the whole Constitution to the leftists, to the, the leftist media, to the leftist states. They're going to crash the party and destroy our Constitution. That's my big fear. Um, I know there's safeguards against it. I know what people say, but I also know what happens. And I'm watching the, I'm watching the two uh, debates for speakership. So you would never see this debate with the Democrats. They're all lockstep. They all march in unison. They all goose step down to uh, their Marxist leaders, and they do exactly what they're told. That's why they're powerful. It's kind of scary in a way because they've given up their individuality for the group. Republicans don't do that, but they're afraid to lead. You know, Charlie Kirk was saying how Rush Limbaugh has said for years, Republicans can't stand winning. They hate winning. They don't want to win. They don't want to lead. They just want to be comfortable. But in this case, people have made a difference, a huge difference. And to me, like I say, it proves that Action Radio works, which I already knew it did. But this is just proof for those that are skeptical that if enough people make enough calls and write enough emails and, and participate in the process, things do change. Because they have to listen because they know these, these people are going to vote for them or not. Sean, what do you think? Yeah, no, I agree. I think it boils down to a couple of things, but the biggest thing is education. You're, you're going to have to re-educate or educate in general the public about their power. Mm-hmm. Back to my previous point where the people have just yeah. given that power up in, in light of the state giving them security. right? Uh, but I also think that it's, it's an uphill battle for our side in the sense that we're playing catch up. We've got to get the ground game moving and get those connections and get those people and groups together to work together. Whereas, like you said, the left is just straight lockstep. They mm-hmm. get their marching orders and they're like automatons. They just keep going forward. You know, and you can see that well, now. Look at, yeah, <laughs> they've got the communist and, manifesto. And they know what they want. Plan. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Everything they have is in the back. So uh, Obamacare is a perfect example of that. Okay. That thing came out overnight. It was what thousands of pages long, and they passed mm-hmm. it in, in a heartbeat because mm-hmm. it was all in the can. They knew what they were going to do. Mm-hmm. But to your point, I think we're seeing this on a local level, especially like look at the school boards now. Yep. 
look at the parents showing up. But that was sparked mainly because of the China virus and because of homeschooling or because mm-hmm. there's those classrooms are now on Zoom. So the parents were forced to be at home with their kids involved yeah, in their lives. That was going on. And then, yeah. <laughs> that was yeah, the and then understanding what's actually COVID, going yeah. on. Yeah, yeah. And how many of those parents were shocked about what happened? Well, why didn't the they know what was going radio. on? I mean, what did they talk about at dinner? You know, what did you do in school today? You know, son or daughter? <laughs> you know, why weren't? Why were they surprised? I wasn't surprised at all because we knew what goes on in the government indoctrination centers. We knew what they were teaching and what they weren't teaching. It's all of the news for anybody that was watching, anybody that's had a kid in school. My daughter went to a private school for a very good reason. I didn't want her indoctrinated. Now she thinks like a free individual. So yeah, we homeschool. That's exactly why. Same reason. Yeah. Well, yeah, absolutely. Well, the, the the best option right now is I think what's Arizona, what Arizona. Now we're free to talk about anything now, so we're we're wide open the last forty five minutes. Um, but Arizona has a full school choice system, so you get your voucher or however they do it. I should look more into it. Um, but there's no restrictions on where you send your kid and, and money. You can homeschool with the money, you can private school with the money, or you can uh, government school with the money. But it's your choice. Right. Do you know about the Arizona system? Yeah, and that's that's the way it should be. Right? Okay. It's our tax dollars. So we're a good example. We homeschool. But I still pay taxes for the local schools, and I can't opt out of that. And I don't even get to write off the homeschool materials. Mm-hmm. So we're getting hmm. double taxes Sounds like a bill. to be able to homeschool. Yeah. Right? So I'm, I'm paying for a private school at home, in essence. That's, that's the way I look at it. I didn't but, think of that. Yeah, that makes sense. Right. But that's why the left is so adamant against school choice, because it gives up control. Right. They can't have that. Gun control, birth control. <laughs> it's all control. Control <laughs> in general. These words keep popping up right? in my head. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Yeah, so it's control well, across the board. Mm-hmm. Now, does Arizona give uh, a voucher to every parent, or does it give it to every – I would like to say every citizen, because if you don't have kids in school, you're still paying education taxes. So if, they, if yeah, someone I don't know the logistics that, of it. Yeah, I can look into it. I'll make a note for that. Um, but uh, this, this one I will make a note on. Candy, hope you're still listening. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she was funny. So I got I got a couple pieces of legislation for you. Sure. Since we're we're good, we have free time, so it goes yeah. back to the Supreme Court and their rulings in creating law, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the first one would be get rid of uh, absolute immunity for prosecutors. Tell me about that. How does that's that work? A, that's a what that is is a prosecutor has absolute immunity both civilly and criminally for any decision they make when it comes to their case. So your case could be 100% justified in every aspect. They can still bring you up on charges mm-hmm. and still prosecute you, even though they know that they're not going to win, even though they know it was self-defense or whatever the case happened to be. And they are not liable whatsoever. Hmm. You can't yeah. sue them, and they can't be prosecuted. So, yeah. um, you know, um, what was your name? Mosby, or uh, Mosley or Mosby in Baltimore, and the Baltimore mm-hmm. City cops, they got prosecuted. There was – she actually – held back exculpatory evidence. She created a number of ethical violations as well as legal violations. And they tried to sue her, and the courts came back and said, no, she has absolute immunity, so you can't sue her. Yeah. So they're committing illegal acts, yeah. biased mm-hmm. prosecutions, all kinds of things like that, with no repercussions whatsoever. Well, wait a minute. Doesn't that come under prosecutorial misconduct? If you, if you withhold exculpatory evidence, in other words, evidence that will set you free, that's a crime in itself. Well, no, it's it's yeah. not a crime. Well, it's a violation of their ethics code, 
Right. But it's not a crime, so to speak. But you can't even mm. sue them for it. So they're mm-hmm. not civilly or criminally liable for their actions at all. Yeah, that would have to be changed in that state's constitution, whereas prosecutors or any other government official that violates the constitutional rights of a citizen, they can be prosecuted. I think Greg has, Greg has mentioned that in uh, in several conversations. Have you, Greg? Well, I'm, just, I'm actually taking notes right now, prosecutorial misconduct versus absolute immunity, because I want to work with John on a bill on that. And what I have bills on. Absolutely. Uh, I, thank you. Good. I have a couple of bills. Um, one, we have one that gets rid of judicial review, and the other that requires uh, judges to inform juries of the right of jury nullification. And so those are two very mm-hmm. strong ones. But I could add a third one, easily getting rid of absolute immunity. Um, cops have an immunity, right. too. It's, 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 it, what, what's the immunity that cops have? It's not absolute. No, but so there's a word for it. They do have some immunity attached when it's in conjunction with their job. But okay. it doesn't. It's on paper, but it's not a reality. It still goes to trial. They still get sued, okay. and they can still be right. prosecuted. Um, so that's but, that's not. It's on paper that they have some uh, limited amount of immunity when it comes to doing their specifics of their job. But what's it called but though? Is it word conditional immunity, or, or there's a word for it? Yeah, there's a word for it. It'll come to me. I can't remember off the top of my head. Okay, all right. So, so, um, but we're, so this but, is, what, and if we can get specific, that's what we do. Is cause we're, so we want to separate that in law. We're not talking about you know police liability. We want to say this is this is specifically prosecutorial liability. So they need to be liable civilly and criminally uh, for actions absolutely. because you know it's, if perjury is illegal, it comes. It's the same thing as perjury, right? If perjury is sure. illegal and can be prosecuted, why can't you prosecute a, a prosecutor for lying? I agree. Prosecutor, but that so the difference would be though for perjury, that's a crime against the state. It's not a crime against the individual. Oh, well, you know, but, so to Pianchi's point, real quick though, I, I, it should be changed at the state level. But uh-huh. that that um, premise, if you want to put it that way, because it's not a law, came uh-huh. from the Supreme Court back in the seventies. They made it up. And Do you know the case? You should give uh, a chance to call uh, Jonathan Mosley, who's our uh, he's a criminal defense attorney, um, and he's been working with a lot of January 6 people. He's on Monday uh, at um, eight o'clock Central Time, so it'd probably be seven o'clock for you Mountain Time. Uh, okay. But yeah, I mean, well, this, this is right up his alley. Okay, it was back in '76. I can find the case for you. Okay. Yeah, that goes right back to the the thing that the, that's a state law. That state, your state is sovereign. Supreme Court has no business jumping into your state unless you're violating someone's civil rights, and that argument comes before them. And that's, that's what people, like Greg said earlier, you think people think that the uh, Supreme Court is Almighty God, and they're not. They have no enforcement authority. They can't send the police out at you. Well, that's no, yeah, another that's, thing. Actually, real quick, yeah. real quick. Go ahead. No, Police sure, go ahead. should be made to carry their own liability insurance. You know, some uh, some areas of the police should carry their own liability insurance, just like they do with the cars. Have liability insurance. If you have a number of incidents, then the, the company is going to drop you. No, I don't. I don't right. like that idea of a police having their own liability insurance. See, you don't want you don't want to make police so so liable for everything that every that anybody can sue them for, like writing a parking ticket. You don't want to make it impossible for the police to do their job. On the other hand, you know, I I, I think that so, so conditional uh, liability immunity makes sense. Otherwise, police are never going to do anything. They just sit there and collect paychecks. Well, the yeah. thing is, it, is that you have municipalities doing that already. 
I think Ferguson went to it because when you go out and act crazy, then the whole community has to pay for it. And you're talking about a lot of money. No, make them have their own liability insurance. And, you know, they cannot enter into something into their own personnel record. It's another thing that uh, has been implemented in many municipalities. It's called qualified immunity. Qualified, that's what I'm looking for. Thank you. Yep. Yeah, I was, just, I was just pulling it up here. Yep, qualified immunity. So now no, qualified makes sense. And I'm, a, I'm with you. I don't think that the police should have to be individually carry their own liability insurance. I think that yeah. you'll never need another cop to do the job. Mm-hmm. So they should have some qualified immunity, and they should be protected by the city if they're operating within the bounds of the law. Mm-hmm. Part of the qualified immunity, though, is the city does not have to indemnify you hmm. during that process if they determine you broke the law. So they can make that, well, that choice. Would be, yeah, that's the same way it's applied with them carrying their own liability. If I go into an area to work, and before I sign a contract, I have to produce general liability and also state-required workers' compensation. If not, I can't work those projects. And I agree, yeah, but the that, truth is you're, you working your project is vastly different than taking someone's civil rights away or incarcerating or killing them. Yeah. And if you're going to force them to pay for their insurance out of pocket – one, it's going to be astronomical because if they do kill somebody, the insurance company is going to run over them. Your insurance rates and premiums will be more than you probably make in a month to cover that kind of liability. So the only way to do that job effectively is to have the city cover them as far as their qualified immunity goes. I, I don't think it's feasible to make them do it anymore. No, I, I agree with you, John, on this that, one. Yeah, that would be the same as uh, a fireman. Yeah. Fireman would have to carry his own individual insurance, and if you let your house burn down, you can sue him. Yeah. Yeah, and it's interesting. The courts have ruled, especially with the police, that the, well, there's no legal obligation to, uh, to to save your life. You know, the police don't have to respond. You know, and so yeah, if you have this liability, not, what happens to volunteer fire department? Yeah, yeah, that's a little different. Let's. Uh, I want to get back to this this, this whole idea of um, prosecutorial stuff because Jonathan talks about this a lot. And what he's saying about uh, if you listen to his Monday reports, you can go back and check the podcast. But especially in terms of January six, prosecutors are lying. Judges are, are, are withholding evidence. Uh, they're denying witnesses that would exonerate these people. I mean, what's going on in the court system is absolutely horrible. So from a law enforcement perspective, you know, especially now with the DAs that are letting people out for no matter what they're doing, you know, or not prosecuting people like the Hamas demonstrators in, in Congress. You know, in other words, J6 people get locked up forever and Hamas people get, uh, you know, pat on the back. Hey, good job. You know, so there's, it's got to be frustrating from the police point of view. You know, and, you know, if you're dealing with if you bring a criminal in and, and the, the prosecutor lies about him, so they're convicting the wrong people or they're not convicting the people they should be. The courts, this this would go a long way, I think, to reform the courts in a way that would be successful. Oh, yeah? I think it would be amazing. It, so January 6th is a perfect example of that. Imagine mm-hmm. that if every one of those people that are being prosecuted from January 6th were able to file a lawsuit against those prosecutors, even if they did it as a class action. How how quickly would that stop? Oh, immediately. Right. That's well, we have a bill. So if you Actually, take away their immunity, if you yeah. take away their immunity, even so, I would extend that even to the victims of the crime. So the, your point to the prosecutors letting them out uh, on uh-huh. a regular basis. Right. If you have a victim of a crime and this person is incarcerated, let's say it's a violent crime, and they let him out with no bail, excuse me, uh, within hours, and he goes and commits another crime. I would extend that to that secondary victim should be able to sue the prosecutor for allowing him out. And the DA. So that would be the DA we're talking about, yeah. district attorneys primarily? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that the makes DA. sense. Yeah. 
Right. Well, I have so a... If, if they choose not to file or they choose to give that person a light sentence, and then I... Truthfully, they extend it to the judge, too, who just violates their basically the law and makes up a sentence or gives them probation or just decides not to do what they want, just decides to do what they ever were to do with no basis under the foundation of law. But yeah. you can take that steps at a time. But the prosecutor would be a big one because then you get rid of a lot of these problems where one political prosecutions, but also the fact that you've got people that are victimized on a daily basis because they've decided to take a stance on crime that is so light that now there's 10, 12, 15 more victims because of that one individual. Oh, and the, 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 this is like legendary now, the amount of people um, that are that are being victims of crimes that shouldn't be or wouldn't be. Uh, doesn't even talk about the illegal alien problem. But uh, something Jonathan said that was really interesting on uh, talking about this whole idea. He uh, talking about the Supreme Court, as you said, totally just made up this prosecutorial absolute immunity out of nothing. Jonathan said that the government always rewards the government. The government in court always finds for the government. It's a, a self-perpetuating thing where they always reinforce their own power. And if they, if they don't have it, they, they make it up. And that goes back to Marbury versus Madison when the Supreme Court declared they have the right of judicial review to not only declare laws unconstitutional, which they don't have that power, um, but also to extend policy, law, and regulation from that power that they don't have to assume other powers that they don't have. And so this, this is a long tradition with our judiciary that goes back almost to the founding, to the beginning of our country. So uh, I think that Marbury versus Madison was like 1803, you know, Declaration of Independence, 1776. So we're talking just like 26, 27 years. Not a long time for the courts to take a power that they don't have and totally screw up our judiciary to this day. That's what the problem is. Yeah, absolutely. And that's where I think it's incumbent on the people in the state to ignore them when it's unconstitutional. Yeah. The problem you're going to have is you're going to write this bill. Someone's going to challenge your bill. It's mm -hmm. going to be ruled on by a judge who is in bed with the attorneys mm -hmm. who's going to say it's unconstitutional. At that point, you say, no, it's not unconstitutional. Pound sound. We're going to prosecute them. Yeah. Well, that's, that's why that's, I think it would be a constitution amendment. See, I didn't agree with that. You're right. Uh, well, he just he, – he, uh, you'd be surprised what it takes to get a bill through. Uh, no, I wouldn't. Just try. <laughs> I know exactly what it takes, but yeah. yeah. You see, but, you, you have to show up there every morning at 4 o'clock to do what you're doing. Who's going to be doing that foot and leg work for you? But I was going to make a comment that what he the statement that he was talking about. What's your name, John? I think it is about the uh, police immunity. You're absolutely right. That immunity needs to be stripped. And when a cop does do like we talk about, not even a cop, but even judges ruling that that harms you uh, financially or prosecutors misaction that harms you, they should be subjected to civil lawsuit. Like Derek Sullivan when on the killing of uh, the death of George Floyd, the city and yes, that family twenty-seven million dollars. Right. Don't don't take don't take that the wrong way. I don't think they should. Their qualified immunity should not be stripped. They are still subject to those lawsuits and those prosecutions, but they do have qualified immunity in the sense that if it can be proven it was within the scope of their job and justified, they cannot be sued. So that's the that's the traffic ticket argument. If I pull you over and write you a ticket, and you're offended by it, well, if I have no immunity, you can you can actually sue me for violating your Fourth Amendment rights to due process or your search and seizure rights because I illegally searched or seized you and prevented you from going somewhere. That's wrought with destruction. You, you can't make that system work. So we're that talking about the civil cases. rights. That came under the Civil Rights Act of 1871 which allowed officers to be sued for official acts only 
if he knew or should have known that his actions would violate a person's constitutional rights. No, I agree, so, but that's that qualified immunity. If if he didn't, if he acted in accordance with his job and with in the Constitution and the state, you know, local laws, then they should not be subject to that liability, and you shouldn't have to put them through it because that's the job. And that's why it's because it's a police job that's different than a construction job or some other job where you're not taking someone's rights away from them as a condition of your employment. Yeah, you don't have to swear well, to the to Constitution be- to work a construction job. Let me tell you it is a completely different thing. But qualified does not mean absolute. And so, Absolutely, and that's the point. So what is qualified? Let's listen. Then I'll get back to Bianchi. But how, how much of, of the immunity do cops have under qualified immunity? What, what, is, what part is qualified? Just within, within the scope of their job. Okay. So if they're outside the scope of their job, it's not. If they're outside the scope of the law, it's not. They're, they're not guaranteed immunity. So if you mm-hmm. want to use Chauvinah, and there's a lot of factors that went into that, but the mm-hmm. truth is he got prosecuted. He wasn't immune from the prosecution. He, he right. will get sued. He's, he's part of that lawsuit. But mm-hmm. as part of that lawsuit, he doesn't have any money, so they're going to sue the city as well because they're his employer. There's your deep pockets, and there's who's going to make the payout. So he's still well, a party that. to that lawsuit. This is an interesting case because George Floyd died of a fentanyl overdose. It's in the coroner's report. Wouldn't that yes. be exculpatory evidence? Wouldn't that d- deny a murder charge? You can't kill somebody that was already dying uh, and virtually dead and was, was going to be dead in a very short time. Yeah, but virtually dead is not dead. No, but I mean, he was on his way, and uh, and, and Derek I mean, Chauvin, like the, I guess, was, was restraining him. I mean, this, this is it's an interesting argument, and we can talk about it in terms of liability. Go ahead, Pian, you make your point, then I'll get to John on this. Yeah, no, what he done is he killed the man. Is what the that's what everybody's seen. That's what came out of it. It's not. But he didn't. Yeah, you would have died sooner or later under natural causes, maybe. But no. This, these cops, not only cops, uh, prosecutors, lawyers, judges, they all should be subjected to civil lawsuits if they harm somebody, either, especially financially. Yeah, I think there's a – well, let me ask you the, 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 the question. Did uh, Chauvin actually kill George Floyd, or was he dying anyway from fentanyl overdose and he was just being controlled, so he didn't you know, commit more harm to the cops? What's, 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 the, what's your view on that, John? Uh, technically speaking, no, he didn't kill him. Okay. It's it's pretty demonstrable that it was you know a condition of what he's ingested and the actual altercation itself. Mm-hmm. The problem you're going to have is there's what happened and then there's the optics of what happened, right? Okay. There's is a hard argument to be made that that didn't look horrible. It didn't oh, it did look, look horrible. horrible. I was all for the right. crowd jumping on the cop at that point until I learned the you know more details. But that's the difference and between a lynch mob and, that's always and a trial. The problem. Yeah, that's yeah. always the problem. You're you're going to get that thirty second blip, or actually usually it's a ten or fifteen second of the worst possible part right. of the altercation, and they're going to everyone's going to base their decision on that. Uh, let's go back to Rodney King is a good example because this is where this all started, right? Okay. The initial contact and what they did was fully justified given the set of circumstances to convict them. But when the feds came in after the riots, there was no chance at all of that guys not being convicted because nobody wanted the city to burn. So Chauvinot is a really good example of that. What happened right. after that happened? It was massive rioting, massive looting, massive burning, massive civil unrest, if you want to call it that. 
mob mentality is probably a better word for it. Well, looting, they're just, that's, they're, they're just making use sure. of the crisis. That, that had nothing that to do with George Floyd. That is all by design. Yeah. That's right. by design to influence a jury, and it's also by design to influence a settlement. Okay. So the reason you're seeing these massive settlements is because now it's a cottage industry. Something happens, it's on video, they riot, cities quit to settle, attorneys make their money, family gets a little bit of that, and somebody gets convicted. It's a simple game. It's a simple formula, isn't it? Yep. Now, if you yes, go like, back, like you yeah, said, yeah. The, initial, the initial reaction you had to that video was, mm-hmm. oh, my God, somebody should pull that cop off of them. Yeah, that's, that, I'm, I'm being as, honest. That's, that's, that's what I thought. No, but, no that's reasonable. <laughs> but as yeah. the facts come out, mm-hmm. you're one of the few people that actually listen to the facts, looked yeah. at it objectively, took some of the emotion out of it, and said, well, now this makes more sense. Right. Well, then the you hear his criminal background, too. You hear that he held a gun to a pregnant woman. You know, you hear that uh, he was a criminal anyway. You know, I mean, that, that, you can't, that doesn't justify, you know, murdering him. I'm, I'm not saying that. But, uh, but the fact that uh, he may have been known to the cops. Was he known to the cops ahead of time? And that makes a difference, too. Uh, that, I, that I don't know. But even yeah. if, let's say he's not. Well, let's yeah, he, he doesn't have a criminal hold, background hold on, at all. Hold on, Piaki. Let's say he doesn't right. have a criminal background at all. Right. If you just go straight by the facts, he fought. They restrained him. He died. They did a toxicology report. There was no asphyxiation. There was no damage to his neck. And it was a straight fentanyl and combination of, I think he had meth or coke and some heroin in there. He, he had a couple okay. different other drugs in his system right. that led to his heart failure. On its face, the guy on top of him didn't kill him. Yeah. But well, if there's no asphyxiation, and they in, say he strangled him. That, I mean, he didn't. You don't get. You don't get a heart attack from having a cop, you know, with, with your knee on your, you know, however he was restraining him. Sure, and there's 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 a large segment of the population that still believes that he was strangled. Yeah. Uh, that that poor guy on the subway, that civilian on the subway, that uh, put that guy in a chokehold when he's attacking everybody on the on the uh, train, he's getting prosecuted. Yeah. Right. They yeah, said he had a chokehold on him for yeah. 15 minutes. And then he died after the paramedics showed up. If you are choking somebody or using a carotid restraint properly, that person goes out in about six seconds. If you hold it for 15 minutes, they're dead after the first couple minutes. Period. That's it. So the fact that he continued to fight, the fact that he continued to struggle that entire time until the cops got there doesn't bode well for what they're saying. However, the narrative is this guy choked him. He died because he got choked. Yeah, because if he was choked, exactly, he would have been out a whole lot sooner. And Pianchi, I'll get to you. I, I, don't, I just I like to get you know complete thoughts out when I can here. Um, but that that makes perfect sense, and because if if he had choked him out and he had passed out in six seconds, it actually would have been a better situation. It'd been a lot easier to hold him loosely. Sure, and that yeah. that goes to some tactics and training as well. Okay. Chokehold is a really good example of that. It's it's not a chokehold; it's a carotid restraint, and right. they use it in jujitsu all the time. So yeah, if it was that I've dangerous, there'd be there'd be a zillion dead jiu-jitsu guys around here, right? Yeah. So if it's applied properly and you use it, it's a very effective tool. Mm-hmm. But when it's misapplied, it's a problem. The problem they had back in the probably the late 70s, early 80s, when LAPD was doing them mm-hmm. and they were killing people by accident, yeah. Yeah. they weren't using the carotid restraint. They were actually cutting off the, the oxygen supply through their windpipe. So they were taking their forearm and crushing their windpipe. So that would break right. the hyoid bone, and that would swell up and make them, make them die. They couldn't breathe. So you couldn't release they it and, and have them breathe normally, like a carotid restraint. Yeah, because you already, already broke it, and that, that yeah. causes swelling and shot their airway. But it right. wasn't a it wasn't a blood flow issue; it was an airway issue. 
and they fixed it. But they haven't done that for a zillion years now. But people are still looking at that and saying, oh, my God, you're choking this person without the education, without the knowledge of, hey, this is actually an effective tool, and it might be the only effective tool you have to end that problem without having to shoot them. Yeah, because you wake right back up wow. again from a, from a carotid restraint. We have a local, uh, Scott, local self-defense guy who demonstrates, he has a video of, of someone, one of his volunteer class persons, you know, was, was put in a carotid restraint. They were out, and then he just, like, tapped them, and he's like, oh, okay, I'm awake. <laughs> you know, came right back again. So, yeah, huh. and uh, so they do it all the time. Yeah, yeah. Pianchi, you that was one of the key ways to effectively control someone who's, like, on PCP. Well, yeah, because if they're on drugs, they're not, they're not going to listen to reason. And they're not, you know, you, you can't, you, you know, they're, and they've, they've got superhuman strength. They think they're a Superman. And so do all kinds of crazy Yeah, pain things, compliance you know? doesn't work. Pain compliance might be effective, but if you cut off the blood flow to the brain, brain for those right. few seconds, that six seconds that he's out, you can handcuff him and the problem's solved. That may, I mean, so it makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. No, yeah, I'm ahead. not justifying Chauvin as, uh, as an optic level. I think right. he should have done things differently, but I'm not saying that he killed him. It wasn't a case of murder. What could he have done differently? Uh, at that point, honestly, if he was already in cuffs, you know, you roll the guy on the side, you control him that way. You control his legs. You know, there's things you can do with the body, position yourself differently instead of being on the head and neck. Right, yeah, if you're control. already in handcuffs, yeah, that, the, put him in the car. You know, lock the doors. <laughs> you know. Sure. And, you yeah. know, you might not have to put him in the car because the crowd was getting hostile at that point as well. So yeah. You're waiting for more people to show up so you can safely move the guy. But, you know, you can roll him on a side. You can control his legs. You can hobble him. You can do a lot of different things there. So he made but, mistakes, you know, but he didn't kill him. Yeah, interesting. Right. Yeah, I mean, there's things to learn from it, mm-hmm. but it wasn't a case of murder. I don't believe so. Yeah, the thing to learn, everybody has a cell phone now and a video. Piaki, let's get, let's get back in the conversation here. Well, you know, you made, you know I'm not taking up for George Floyd. And the previous incident that he had with the pregnant woman, uh, he was charged and went to prison for that. I think that the, the, the that's another problem. These uh, prosecutors and that, and the courts, they give these people light sentences. But uh, Floyd was handcuffed and was in the car. Now, why Chauvin took him out, I don't know. And an officer has no way to know what a person is on, whether they on juicy fruit, fruit gum or whether they on <laughs> on uh, drugs. They don't know that. So, but uh, I see where Connecticut has passed laws curbing qualified immunity. So I'd like to, you know, need to check in that and see what's going on for those who have that concern. Yeah, I agree. So words matter, though. And I think I'll go back and listen, but one of the initial things you said was Chauvin murdered him. And that's that's a term that influences people on how they think and how they speak. So I think that that's part of the narrative, and that's why the left is really good at controlling the narrative, because they use their words very, very well, and that's how they influence what goes on. So you've got, you know, uh, Floyd's a good example. You know, Chauvin, uh, you know, asphyxiated him by putting his knee in his back and strangled him to death, right, or he was murdered by the cops. There's very, very few incidents where the cops actually murder somebody. It takes premeditation and a lot of different things going on there. But because yeah. that's such a visceral word, yeah. that it has influence on people. Yeah, people throw the word treason around a whole lot, too. They don't really know what it means. It's, it's quite interesting. Sure. Um, did you have stuff you wanted to bring up? Because I think we've kind of monopolized your whole report and then some. No, part of the report was for Israel as well. So we covered, okay, well, we covered a fair amount of that. Um, yeah. I do have another bill, though. Oh, um, please. I would uh, do uh, – 
Post them on writeyourlives.com. That's a, that's a, do you know how to use writeyourlives.com? Is it back up? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I fixed okay. it. Well, I didn't fix it. I had people fix okay. it. But you never, it's, it's still <laughs> yeah. to be hacked again. Now, it usually comes back in right. a couple of days, but we had a really bad hack. And they're, they're, right. we're, we're a target. We are a huge target right now because we talk about freedom. And, and, and can you imagine when the deep state you know, gets word that uh, we're writing bills that we're going to take away their power? Yeah, it, we're going to have some real issues. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be interesting. Right. So what's your other so, – so well, let me just tell you real quickly. So you go to writeyourlaws.com. W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S. That's for everybody listening. WriteYourLaws.com. Read the homepage. That'll give you the information for how to write a bill. We've got a template. It'll introduce you to the, the format that you can use. You know, you have an introduction, you know, why you want your bill. You have the old law if we're replacing something. And you have the new law. And if you're making new law, then you, you skip the old law because it doesn't exist. But you want to find the section in law where it goes, whether it's state, federal, or local. And I can help you with that because I'm, I'm pretty good at, uh, at finding exactly where to put things, whether it's we add a new section or whether we just replace something that's already there. This would be adding a section um, to, uh, to prosecutor, whatever the laws are that cover, govern prosecutors at the state level. I don't think it's a constitutional amendment, although you could do a constitutional amendment uh, talking about rights of the individuals, because the Constitution is a place for rights. Constitutions limit government, laws limit people. And so that's how we divide it up. So then you go to the next section, which is legislation. So on the menu bar, you've got the homepage. Then you go to legislation. And the very first thing, propose new law. That's where you write it. It takes your name, your email, which is confidential, but that's how I can get back to people. Uh, the title of the bill, make it a real one. Don't say the Affordable Care Act, because we know that has nothing to do with it. Uh, and, and then you actually write your bill. Now, what I recommend is you write it separately on a, on a file. Uh, get it all the way you want and then post it because you're going to amend it. You're going to change it. You're going to do stuff yourself. And once you post it and we put it on com, we can still amend it. And I do that all the time with bills. We'll get you on the show. We'll talk about your bills. I want to do these individually. Um, and then what we do is uh, we put them in the, in the position to be submitted uh, at the state level. And the first thing you do is submit it in your state and get all the other gun groups to do it in their state. <laughs> you know, and then we start going from there. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's how we do it. And then Pianchi takes it to Convention yeah, of States, and we get 34,000 volunteers working on it. Awesome. awesome. Yeah. What's your the, bill? Uh, the, self, the, the, um, the prosecutor one, that's, it's covered in the Constitution by due process. I mean, truly, they're, they're denying citizens their due process right. against the well, state we can use that by giving the them that immunity. We can use that in the bill. You know, just like uh, I want to have, have gun ownership become part of the civil rights qualified uh, sections. Also, ideology. Right. Now, I'm not changing, mm-hmm. I don't have to change the Constitution to do it because the Constitution already has the Second Amendment. No. But, I, but I can say right. setting the Second Amendment and the lack of enforcement of the Second Amendment, in fact, the absolute contradiction of it, that would be in the introduction, we are proposing this bill and then of, of adding gun owners to the civil rights law. So that's how you do it. So you can use the Constitution, cite the Constitution in the introduction to your bill. This is because due process is not being enforced. We need to clear guidelines. And because the Supreme Court, here's how you write it, okay, for that one. So you say because due process, Fourth Amendment, uh, maybe Fifth Amendment to self-incrimination, whatever, um, whichever mm-hmm. constitutional amendments apply. That's, you put that in your intro. And then you put this case, this 1976 case, where the court violated the Constitution, violated the rights of every American, created something out of thin air, uh, and basically violated the, their constitutional limitation. They can't make law, policy, or regulation. Because of that decision, we therefore have to write this law. And that's how you justify it. And then you spell out the law and where it goes. Make sense? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Easy peasy. Totally. Easy. So what's, what's your next yeah. bill? Bill? No, John. So sorry. a self-defense <laughs> self immunity law. Ah. So what you do is you give people the ability to have a hearing pre-trial, pre-prosecution, 
um, almost like a preliminary hearing, where the state has to disprove its self-defense. If they can't disprove with self-defense, they're not going to be criminally liable or civilly liable. This is before charges, right? Concealed carry insurance. Concealed carry insurance. Here we go with insurance again. Insurance is a must. If you shoot somebody, even if you're in the right, they're going to take you to court. And you got to pay for the proof that you was in the right. Sure, and that that eliminates some of that problem, though, right? So mm-hmm. average self-defense case, about $300,000. Wow. Adequate, you know, that's for the privilege of not going to jail. That's money you do not get back. Yeah. If you could do that for five grand or less in a pretrial hearing where the state has to prove that it wasn't self-defense, Otherwise, they can't prosecute you. How much better would that be for everybody? So you're reversing the burden of proof, so another, and which, is, yes. which is absolutely constitutional. So what you're saying is that the burden of proof right now is for people to prove that they're innocent, which is opposite of the Constitution. You know, it's, the government has to prove that you're guilty. So if they can't prove that you're guilty, it's almost like, what do they call that? The, the, it's, like an, it's not the arraignment. It's, it's like a pretrial hearing, like the motions and it's things like that. It's the same kind of thing. It's a preliminary, preliminary hearing. hearing. Okay. Yeah. So and preliminary doing hearings that now? usually is when a prosecutor puts on the case. Basically, a prelim- right. preliminary hearing is a prosecutor comes in and says, like, I have a, here's my bare bones evidence to prove that there's a possibility that this person committed the crime. They don't put on the whole case. Usually it's, hey, we've got a police officer goes to the call. He arrests the guy. The victim comes up and says, yeah, this person did this. And then that's the end of the hearing. Then they go to trial. Hmm. Right. So it's just a, it's a step before all of the other stuff. Is that a grand jury, the preliminary hearing? Uh, it, it could be. It's, it's similar to a grand jury, so it depends on the state. So, so, these some, two, some so you, need, you need to have, have a prelim, bill. Yeah. some have a grand jury. Yeah, so you'd have to extend it across uh, pre, yeah. pre-whatever court hearing you would have to term that on, how you would term it as far as covering all those bases. But it enshrines the right to self-defense, but it also makes yeah. it very clear that it's the state's burden to prove this before they can even prosecute you. So they don't have to run you through the ringer, right? Um, the guy huh. in Florida uh, that, that shot Trayvon Martin. Yeah. Uh, Zimmerman. George Zimmerman. Yeah. George Zimmerman. So mm-hmm. that's a really good case study. There was overwhelming evidence that he was innocent. Same problem. Prosecutors withheld evidence. They mm-hmm. lied to the media. They lied mm-hmm. to the courts. But he racked up well over a million dollars in legal fees mm-hmm. just to not go to jail. That's all money he lost. Yeah. Right? And he didn't have all that money, so fortunately the attorneys kept him on even after he ran out of money. Right? But what most people don't understand about the system is two things. One, bail. You have to come up with 10%. You don't right. get that 10% back. That's the cost of the loan to get you out of jail. Yeah. So if you have a million-dollar bail, because let's say you actually killed somebody mm-hmm. in the commission of defending yourself and they decide to prosecute you, that's $100,000 out of pocket up front. Mm-hmm. Now you go to an attorney. The attorney is going to evaluate your case, and they're going to say, look, this case is going to take $300,000 minimum. Mm-hmm. They want that money up front. You don't pay them on the back end. That's called a retainer. Yeah. Yeah. So you yeah. have to pay and come up with that money. Now, whether it's through selling your house or mortgaging your house over, signing it over to them, however you want to do that. But that's money they expect up front. And when you run out, they're going to expect more. Yeah. So Now, let me now, ask you a question. Now we're back. Okay, go ahead. That's where the insurance come in. 
People have to have the insurance because even if you won the case, suppose the other side appealed it to a higher court, and here we go again. Yeah, yeah but insurance, insurance isn't, isn't a guarantee. Really careful what you choose. Yeah, insurance. I don't really think is a guarantee careful. of that. You know, malpractice no, insurance or or, or, right. or health insurance doesn't keep you healthy. So I'm I'm very suspicious of insurance. And I think it's it's, it's worth considering. Well, you got to have insu- you got to have insurance to even drive your car on the street. Well, that's because so the law requires that, it. Anyone that has a concealed carry weapon, they mm-hmm. need they should have insurance in case you do shoot somebody because the people that you shoot, their family is going to come back at you. And I can mm-hmm. guarantee you that. Yeah, yeah, sure, no, it makes sense. Most of those insurance don't cover civil prosecution. So the family is different than criminal. Most of those insurance will only cover you criminally, not civilly. So it depends on the insurance company. Oh, that's interesting. And there's a lot of insurance companies out there that are fly by night. A lot of yeah. them that have false advertising. And a lot of them just aren't doing what they say they're doing. So you've got to be yeah. really yeah. careful with that insurance thing. I'm you not know, opposed gotta, to it, but you've got to do a ton of homework. Absolutely. you got to do homework on anything that you do. Um, but uh, you... I mean, it's just like homeowners insurance. Users. Your neighbor come up and slip and fall and bust their butt. The way they gonna want to shoot you? I mean, sue you, not shoot you. Yeah, <laughs> so where were you going? That's <laughs> <laughs> a little extreme example. Well, let me let me um, let me tell John about a bill that we have here that's kind of similar in a way. Uh, I was sick of all the prosecutions of of particularly Trump people and Trump himself. And what they do is they do these bogus investigations, and the investigation itself can break you. You know, you've done nothing wrong. Uh, take Roger Stone. The, the, uh, the FBI SWAT team was there. Uh, CNN was notified. They had SWAT teams on the water. You know, they did all this stuff as old guy, right? Uh, there's no reason for any of it. And, and so yet there they were. And so that's a PR. That, that's a way to victimize somebody. Uh, there's a, a gun shop. This is probably a good example here. Um, that you, probably know, you might even know these people. There's a gun shop in Wyoming somewhere where the ATF was walking around with ATF on their shirts, you know, intimidating all the customers and, and, and checking for the most minor paperwork record violations because they wanted to put this guy out of business. But they didn't want to prosecute him because he hadn't done anything wrong. But if they can find – and nobody does everything perfectly according to paperwork. And come on. Nobody can. Even the government itself has massive – you know, the Pentagon hasn't passed an audit in 30 years. So they're not to talk. They're not ones to talk. But the point is that there's a bill. Uh, I call it the, basically the presumption of innocence bill that it gives people money up front to defend themselves. And this might work in this case, too. You might want to add it or at least take a look at this bill. So the first thing that, I, that it gives uh, someone under investigation is what I call a defense equity payment. Yes, that's intentionally sarcastic. Uh, what it says is whatever the government spends investigating you, they have to give to you to defend yourself. The second part are compliance costs. So anything the government requires you to do, paperwork, lawyers, consultants, you know, time, hiring anybody, you know, loss of business revenue, loss of customer goodwill, not sure how to measure that. But anyway, all those things can be uh, sent to the government that they have to reimburse you for compliance costs. Now, if you're proven guilty, that's different. Then they can slap massive fines in jail and the whole bit. But until you're proven guilty, you're innocent. So why should you be the victim of an investigation while you're innocent? And I think the same principle applies in, in that bill. Uh, for anybody under investigation, to anybody who has to prove their innocence or be prosecuted and could be bankrupt and might, might cop a plea. Uh, Sydney uh, Powell just last night, I know she knows she didn't do anything. She knows she knows she didn't do anything. But she copped a, a plea to misdemeanors rather than to go to jail, you know, because the, the system is just as corrupt as you say. The prosecutors lie. They withhold evidence. The judges are on board with, uh, with the operation. And anything January 6th related or Trump related is, is prosecuted illegally. We know that. The, jail, the D.C. jail is full of people like that. So this would be a great bill for you to take uh, so that people not only would have the money up front 
for investigations, but they'd have the money up front to defend against these kind of charges. And I'm not sure how to apply that. Um, it might not be the same kind of thing, but uh, it's something to take a look at and see you know, in this hearing, should this preliminary hearing come at, at no cost to the person who's being uh, brought before these charges. If the government has to prove um, that, uh, the, you know, the that it wasn't self-defense, there should be no cost to the person at that point. I think that that might be a better way to approach it. I'd have to okay. think it through, but I think if you, if you cover all of their costs, especially on a big government case, that's going to be ripe with fraud and all kinds of issues. But mm-hmm. I think the initial yeah, stages should be covered. Yeah, right. But there's so much um, fraud in the investigation. But I also think some of that would yeah. some of that would be solved with getting rid of the prosecutors in the state's qualified or not qualified immunity, but absolute immunity mm-hmm. for criminal and civil pro- uh, prosecution or liability. Yeah. I think you're right. If you get rid of that, then they're going to be on the hook for all of those costs civilly and probably and of course, criminal oh, charges. Oh, that's a good point. Law. That's a really good point. So we're not so, we're not funding it up front with taxpayer dollars, right? Mm-hmm. So we maybe eliminate some of that fraud, some of that crap that goes on because even – and truly, the government doesn't care. It's not their money. So right. they don't care if they have to give you $100,000 to defend yourself because they don't care. It's not their mm-hmm. money. No, it would come under oversight you, at some point. But if you, you can know. hold them – yeah, but if you yeah. hold well, – oversight sucks now, let's be honest. The Pentagon's yes, an example. <laughs> yeah. they, they got oversight. They, you know, they can't find $2. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I think if you if you do it that way, it might be better. But also, if you open them up to civil and criminal liability, mm-hmm. and personally, not only government-wise, but open them personally liable, that would help. No, I agree. I mean, if, you know, if you're personally liable on your job if you do something, you know, that uh, the, the, you break a law. You know, the company can't, you know, they don't defend you from that. But I think what's, I think your bill is better at the state level. Uh, the one that for prosecutorial uh, will we'll get rid of that absolute immunity. And I think my bill is better at the federal level because the Department of Justice has – you, you see, I think the states have unlimited funds. The federal government has unbelievable amounts of funds sure. um, <laughs> to go after people. And they will, they will do it on a political basis. So, so, so these are political investigations that I'm trying to get rid of. Uh, and that would apply to mm-hmm. Republicans too because there's no reason to think that a, a Republican president wouldn't do the exact same thing. Nixon did. You know, so there's precedent on both parties. Yeah. Um, but uh, this, I always write my bills without partisan. These are non, nonpartisan bills uh, that we write. But your bill, getting rid of the prosecutor immunity, that would cover district attorneys, um, any kind of prosecutor at the state level. Who else? Who, who are we talking about? I don't get Pianchi's comment. Uh, all state and federal. Local, state, state and federal. State and federal, too. So, so U.S. attorneys? Yep. I'm not sure how, that, how they work, the difference between yeah, a U.S. Absolutely. attorney. And a, well, tell me now, what's the difference between a U.S. attorney and a district attorney? Uh, so district attorneys are usually uh, state level. Mm-hmm. So you've got whatever district they handle. So you, it may be the county, right? It may be L.A. County. It may be a certain district within that county. Um, like uh, local DAs will be a city level. So like the city of Torrance has a DA. Okay. Uh, district attorney for that um, area might be for L.A. County Courthouse that handles the entire county or a bigger portion of the county. And then you'll have your state prosecutors, which handle state level stuff. Then it will go to, depending on the layers of courts, it will either go to a state appeals court, a state supreme court, then the federal appeals court, like the Ninth Circuit. Montana is a little different because they don't have any intermediary. So they have the district courts, and they have the supreme court for the state, and then it goes right to the federal level. Okay. So it's going to depend on how the system's set up individually within that state. But you can hit prosecutors from every level all the way up through the uh, attorney general. And the attorney general should be held liable. Oh, I agree. You've got, uh, you got I, Garland. Blatant so, things that are illegal. Right, but you're not only judging. And he should be civil and criminal liable. 
Are there judges involved with this or no, or just prosecutors? Uh, at, the judges should be just as liable, but I think you write that separately as far as, let's say, they're not following the Constitution. They're not following. Okay. They're making bad law. They're writing law. Make that your third bill. The, the bench. So yeah. I, would, I would separate the two out. Okay. You know, I, I start with prosecutors, and then I'd go to the judge level because then you can hold them accounting as well, kind of as well. Because the different so considerations. The, the, the case yeah. that I sent you in Florida uh, just uh-huh. the other day uh, on uh, Facebook where he's trying to take that woman's constitutional right to own a gun. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'll give challenge. you an answer on that. We should talk about that for, right. for a couple of minutes. Yeah. So, so let's, that, that's bad. In the case. That judge should be liable, right? Now, he's yeah, violating that woman's rights on a couple of different right. levels. Right. Well, tell people what that case is, um, and then get Pianki's. Re- I know Pianki's reaction is going to be, but let's just put this put on the record here. What was the case, and you can say my answer, which is kind of funny actually. So, what was the case? So, the bottom line is the case was that it was a convicted felon inside a household. He's married to a woman who had guns inside the house. The judge decided to tell this woman she has two choices: she can either leave her husband, or she can get rid of her guns. Those were her two options. She had to get rid of her right to keep and bear arms in order to allow him inside her home, which is wholly unconstitutional. Oh, completely. Convicted felons aren't supposed to be in possession of a firearm or ammunition. There's a lot of conditions to that. Right. Possession's the key word there. Because you're in an environment where there's a gun, doesn't mean you're in possession of it, especially in a domestic situation where you're in an environment where you're living with a spouse or a family member. The judge cannot do that. Excuse me. He just made it up. Mm-hmm. That's one of those cases where it would be fantastic for a lawsuit against that judge for violating this, that woman's constitutional rights, not only the Second Amendment, but on the Fourth Amendment as well. Oh, yeah. And this is a whole branch of law that I haven't heard. We're going to lose Marco in the, in the Netherlands because we're, we're, we're running a show. Marco, have a great weekend. Um, but as far as, as uh, this, this is insane. And these judges think they can do anything they want. And I do agree that it should be a separate bill. I think that makes a lot of sense. But the idea that, that a judge could even say that, you know, my answer was that judge needs to be, you know, I would offer the judge a, a choice too. you know, rescind that ridiculous order, stop being unconstitutional, or we're pulling you off the bench. That would be my choice. Well, sure. As the Supreme Court is doing its job, they would censure these people and get them off, but they're not. Yeah. Well, how about, is it a state judge or a federal judge that did this? Uh, that's a state. So the, the, okay. the state would have to do it, however the review process would be. But regardless, I mean, the, the system's broken. You can't rely on the courts to do the right thing because they consistently do the wrong thing and they're protecting their own. Yeah, so exactly. that's why I, think that's, you're I, I get that from Jonathan too. Yeah, but what is cool on that? Because it, I, first of all, I don't agree that felons should not be able to own guns. You know, if you either get all your rights back or none of your right back, rights back. Same thing with voting. You know, and if you're right. if you're too dangerous to society to exercise your rights, then stay in jail, and that's what parole is for. You know, and uh, <laughs> but if you're if you're out, you're out. You vote. You own guns. You know, but but if, so if someone's in a family, if you've got a, a father of, you know, five kids and, and a wife and he's he's coming out of jail in a felony, does that mean the entire household has to get rid of their guns? That doesn't make any sense. Right. Per that judge, it does. Per that judge. Yeah. Okay. But that's not, that's not a common practice. Just a moment. No, sure. no, not at all. Yeah, no. Okay. All right. Yeah. Huh. Pianchi? You know, a district, yeah, district attorney is a public position. The U.S. attorney usually appointed by the president through a procedure. The U.S. attorney is the one that come at you when you owe taxes. 
So I got your ass. Okay, so the U.S. attorneys, because I remember Clinton fired all the U.S. attorneys because he wanted to have his political appointees. So how powerful are, are these people politically? U.S. attorneys, where, where do they exercise their jurisdiction? Well, the DA, the DA is, I guess he's, right, uh, the DA I, I, is, I, has a public position in your right. community and for your state. But the, the federal, the, the U.S. attorney deals with federal laws. So, so they're the ones that are trying to bring Trump in and all this stuff, on their trumped-up charges? Excuse the pun. I'm not familiar with U.S. attorneys. That's why I'm asking. Well, yeah, well, it depends. You know, this okay. thing that's going on in uh, Georgia is, is is ridiculous. But uh, you know, that's, that's, that they don't have. She don't have to answer to nobody except for the people. Well, the governor. And I heard the governor how, can fire her anytime, but he won't because yeah, he, governor, he doesn't like Trump. Well, the governor know. can put pressure on her and make her resign. That's what he did with Kim Gardner. In St. Mm-hmm. Louis, you know the one with the McClowskis? Right. So. <laughs> Interesting. All right. Well, John, let's give you the final word here. And uh, you've got some great bills. I had no idea you were such a, a citizen legislator. This is, this, is, this is fascinating and great knowledge. So uh, have you wanted to do this for a while? You've just been waiting for an opportunity? I mean, how did, you, how did we stumble on each other? <laughs> this is kind of interesting. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, <clears throat> I have been wanting to do it for a while. I just haven't had the opportunity. Um, okay. A lot of it's timing as well because we're so damn busy. But um, yep. Yeah, we, we stumbled each other through Facebook. Through, you know, we happened to be part of follow a couple of people that we had mutual contact with, and they right. turned me on to you, and it kind of worked out well. Yeah, yeah, um, this is good. Yeah, I have to make you a theme. I got candy theme. Yeah. I have to get your theme. <laughs> but I'm working on it. Yeah. <laughs> no, perfect. Real quick to, to um, Pianchi's point on qualified immunity. Mm-hmm. The, the good example is let's say you have a chief of police who's sexually harassing one of the employees, right? He's not immune to being sued for that right he's not immune to being prosecuted if there's that conduct went into something physical right right but he does have qualified immunity it was within the scope of his job to make that happen right to to uh, arrest somebody right to enforce the law in one way shape or another and that would be the difference so i don't i don't think these people should be limiting their qualified immunity to the point where they can't actually do their job yeah. but they don't well, exercise say he was pulling... absolute immunity and that's the big difference the absolute yeah. immunity is what prosecutors have, so it doesn't matter what they do; they're immune. No, I want to. I, I, really like I was just thinking of an example of a of a cop, that, a male cop that pulled a female cop you know, from fighting with another cop, you know, and then the female cop charged him with sexual harassment or assault for touching her, you know, and it's like, no, you're fighting, <laughs> you know. So that'd be a case that'd be working in the law. That would not be that would be qualified where qualified immunity would come in, you know, because look, he's stopping the fight. You know, it's not a question of assault. You were, you were the one doing the assaulting. Whereas a sexual harassment would be, that'd be, because laws outside of the job govern what you do. So that makes perfect sense. Yeah, absolutely. Right. I had never heard that before. This is, this is all new to me. So it's interesting. Cool. John? Yeah, I think it'd be great to be able to write those. Okay. Well, you're in the right place. Pianchi, you got a final <laughs> word? Or should we uh, shut her down and play my announcements? Yeah, play your cool. announcements, but a good conversation. And uh, John, you're in Florida, aren't you? Uh, Montana. Uh, <laughs> we need to give you a map, Piaggy, where everybody is. Yeah, John, we haven't got your, <laughs> yeah. your contact information either, so let's get, let's get your contact stuff because we always do that at the end of the report so people can find it. But, um, yeah, so where are you? What are you doing? Um, go for it. Yeah, so we're in northwest Montana. Uh, womensfiremacademy.com is where you can find us, and uh, we're just happy to be here. Sounds good. All right. Um, I'm working on a theme for you. I just, uh, I, I, I have to, I've got, I've got an idea. Like, go ahead. Callisville, Montana. 
the Prairie yep. View Road. Yeah, okay, yeah. All right, John. John yeah, Demonica. Pianchi, real Demonica. quick, my email has been blocked by you. So if you want to reach out again, I can't unblock it. Oh, my email is, yeah, where it goes into a spam, if I, but I usually go there and check them out. Okay, perfect. I got so your email because you sent me the one on the attorney, didn't you? Okay, yeah, it just keeps coming back that says it's been blocked. So if, if you're getting them, I'm on board. <laughs> okay, what I'll yeah. do, I'll That's put, put Facebook you over messenger. the good people. Yeah, I'll put you over alongside Greg. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. That sounds good. All right. All right, you guys have a good day. Thanks, John. Thank you. John Delmonico, Women's Firearm Academy. Uh, this has been great. I mean, Candy got to stay a while. John got to stay a long time, uh, which is fabulous. I love these extended reports and, and conversations so we can actually get a whole lot accomplished. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Appreciate all your help this week. And uh, have a good weekend. And I think uh, that should do it. Can you Last believe word? it's Friday already? Well, yeah, this has been a really quick week. I'm, I mean, it's it's gone amazingly fast. So, of course, my birthday yesterday was a party. Um, I didn't have a lot of guests this week, so it was, it was interesting. Um, that uh, that it went as fast as it did, but uh, I think it's because we have so much fun here. <laughs> it really is, you know. This is a kick uh, to be able to do this, and now that we have another bill writer, you know, in the group, that's even better. Um, so this is kind of cool. I got to get uh, Candy the bills. I'll get John the bills uh, and some of the things that I wrote. Maybe I'll put I'll post that the thing I wrote on the California um, Self Defense Initiative. Anyway, you have a good week. Well, yeah, Thank you, sir. It's good uh-huh. that uh, citizens know that they can have the right to write the law that they wish to be governed by. Mm-hmm. Basically what it is. That is the whole <laughs> reason we exist. You know, we yeah. the people give All our right. sen- consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed. That's our mission statement. Yeah. Yeah. All, All right. right. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Thank you, too. Take care. So that's this week. This is my birthday week. You know, I turned 64 yesterday. Um, we had, uh, let me see if I have what, uh, what's coming up uh, next week. I don't know if we have any guests at all next week either. Uh, Robin Tout. We're going to talk to her again. Uh, and so Robin is, a, is, our, is our health person on uh, the dangers of breast implants. And, and this is like the coming thing. You know, people talk about COVID. They talk about other things. But this is a serious issue. And we've covered it before. There's a whole group. Uh, and there are women that are dying of these things. And so we're going to talk about that. I think that's all I have for guests. Um, just look at the calendar next week. Yep, that's it. Oh, that's the same day as my, my seven-year anniversary for my open-heart surgery. So I might talk about that, too, with Robin uh, being a health issue. But other than that, that's uh, next week's open. Um, Jessica Rivera is coming back Monday. And so uh, she'll be reporting Monday. And uh, she does reports for other folks. She's, she's like our, our professional you know, journalist. <laughs> it's nice to have at least one, right? Um, but uh, the rest of us, we're just kind of you know, having fun here doing what we do. But uh, this has been a great week. You know, I'm, I'm happy being 64. I love it. I'm in good shape. God willing, I'll be around for, for a bunch of years to be able to do this and really make Action Radio into something so I can leave it to some young person and say, here, <laughs> your turn. <laughs> we'll see. All right. Anyway, thank you for listening. Uh, back on Monday, 7 a.m. Central Time, when we will do it all again. Here is your Action Radio contact and website information. The call-in line is 215-383-3832. Our show site is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Same link, live and a podcast. Please share all our shows. We have live chat at the bottom of the broadcast page available worldwide. Sign in to your free account and type away. We have an internet Skype line where you can call the show worldwide also. Please see the broadcast page for our Skype name. 
call in during the show to get approved. Our bill writing site is writeyourlaws.com, W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S, writeyourlaws.com. This is where anyone can write a bill and start the process of it becoming law. My paid and free subscription column is at gregpenglis.substack.com. Please consider a paid subscription of $5 per month or greater. For contributions to Action Radio, please go to givesendgo.com slash actionradio. We have over 20 Action Radio Facebook groups. Use the Facebook search window by putting in Action Radio to find our groups. My public email is greg at writeyourlaws.com. Please contact me about advertising on Action Radio and helping our mission of freedom. Thank you for listening. This is Greg Penglis for Strike Force, your source for pure energy. Strike Force is a concentrated energy drink that turns a half liter of your favorite beverage into an energy drink. You make your energy drink yourself. Action Radio is an affiliate of Strike Force, so our listeners get a 20% discount. All you do is add our code WYL to the discount code window at checkout. WYL comes from our website, Write Your Laws. So, you can get your energy drink, a 20% discount, and help Action Radio change the relationship of we the people to our government. Not bad. Strike Force is at StrikeForceEnergy.com. That's StrikeForceEnergy.com. Start your engine. Do you know your way around healthcare, insurance, pharmacies, surgery, alternative treatments and choices? I don't. Which is why I'm so glad I met Priscilla Romans, had her on Action Radio, and learned about health patient advocacy. She is the founder of Great Care. And now as an affiliate of Great Care, we are proud to offer through our discount code, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws, a 10% discount. Great Care saves you both time and money. They provide medical advocacy, consultation, advice, and recommendations nationwide. Their website is greatcare.com. That's G-R-A-I-T-H care.com. You can email them at greatcare.adm at gmail.com or call them at 469-864-7149. That's 469-864-7149. Great care, better health through better knowledge and advocacy. Well, that sounds good. Even better. Okay, how about your car? If you want the best service for your vehicle, please talk to James at Florida Stores Automotive, conveniently located at 6715 Caroline Street, in the historic district of Milton, Florida, right between the Milton Bakery and the Blackwater Trail. Whether you need an oil change or an entire engine replaced, this is the place. The phone number is 850-623-6651. That's 850-623-6651. Call, ask questions, and get the information you need. 
Florida Stores Automotive is a full-service automotive shop for both domestic and imports, modern and classic. It is a family-owned business here in our Milton community. Open weekdays from 7.30 to 5 p.m., Florida Stars Automotive is a convenient place to keep your car maintained and on the road. Ask them about Firestone Tires and the rotation and maintenance plan. Florida Stars Automotive. I go there. You should, too. Greg Penglis here for my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. Everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly. Few try. Even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. My book is designed to help you navigate the flight training system, but it's so much more than that. It really describes an entirely new way to teach flying. So if you've never tried a lesson or got discouraged in your training and quit for any reason, this book can help you. Don't be a rope pilot who just follows procedures. Be a thinking pilot who makes great decisions, who understands all the reasons why we do what we do. You can incorporate these principles into your own flight training at any time. The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction is featured on the Action Radio with Greg Pankless Facebook page and is available from Amazon.com. Action Radio, part of the ADHD Radio Network, the ultimate free speech zone. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed and have the power through juries to nullify the laws by which we do not consent to be governed. At Action Radio, we don't report the news. We are the news. Every other show reports what has happened. We talk about what can happen. From the questions no one has thought to ask, to the answers no one has thought to consider, to the actions no one has dared to take. That is Action Radio.
With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC, member SIPC. 